Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 18 of Points and Penalties. We'd like you to remind you to please subscribe wherever you get your pods and give us a like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Points Penalties. My name is Josh. And with me are my co-hosts, Peter, Jesse, and Kevin. Kevin, what are you drinking tonight? I'm having myself a uh, collective arts. It is called an audio visual. Uh, it is a 4.9. And on the actual front, the artist is, I believe, is called uh, Sunreal. It's a very, uh, it's, a, it's a skull with a basically like a, a toque on it, eh? Is that why you got so, it? Because it had a skull? Fuck yeah, bud. You know me. Peter, what are you having yourself today? Thanks, Kev. Today, I am having myself a Bone Shaker Unfiltered IPA from Amsterdam Brewing. It's a strong beer, 7.1%. And it's, uh, it's good stuff. It's another I, skull also, beard. <laughs> yeah, so I was going to say, I got a fucking beauty mug of that, eh? Yeah, we have that a, skull. We have a serious oh, skull they- theme happening this show. Hopefully, Jesse and uh, Josh got the memo, but I doubt it. <laughs> so, Jesse, what are you drinking? I'm drinking Mill Street Brewery, the organic IPA. So, no, it is not a skull-shaped beer or has a skull on it at all. Fucking blew it again, Jesse. And it has hops on it. <laughs> Yeah, so it's a 6% beer, pretty strong beer as well, not as strong as the Bone Shaker, which I enjoyed a lot before, but it's still pretty strong. Josh, what are you having? Well, I don't have a skull, but I do have a freak show. It's called Freak Show Crush from the Flying Monkey. Uh, so, you know, a skull, freak show, Kevin, same difference, right? So, Kevin's on your front. <laughs> he's a freak show. Well, yeah, exactly. So this is also a strong beer, uh, 6.3%. And it's a hazy, hazy IPA. Pretty damn good. Um, my initial taste took me back a little bit, but that's because I just had a regular old uh, regular old beer. So the, the IPA kind of shook me a bit. But hey, it's uh, after my second, third drink. It's uh, pretty good. And uh, it's good. Yeah, Fly Monkey. I like it. Kev, you're still a freak show. Yeah, bud. So, Peter, we got some playoffs uh, in the NHL. Why don't you give us a quick update here? Sounds good. So, I'm going to run through in the same order uh, we talked about it last week. Real quick, and then we'll get into a little bit of detail on some uh, key points. So, the Caps and Bruins series. The Bruins have won that series 4-1. to one, Just like Peter predicted. The Pens and Islanders are tied 2-2. I've still got the Islanders winning that series, uh, but I could definitely see the Pens taking that one. That one's a coin flip still to me. The Avalanche and the Blues, the Avs won that in a sweep, although uh, with Kadri suspended, which we'll get into uh, a bit later, might have been better for them to try and uh, accidentally on purpose lose a a few games against the Blues. So they would have Kadri for more games against the uh, likely the Golden Knights, but obviously that was too risky to consider in the playoffs. So they won in a sweep. Golden Knights wild. Uh, Vegas is leading that series three to one. I don't see uh, any way that they don't pull out that series at this point. Panthers Lightning. Lightning's leading three to one. Same thing. I see the uh, Lightning pulling out that series for sure, despite hoping that the Panthers would come through. Kane spreads. That series is tied 2-2. Still got the Canes taking that one. 
the Preds are putting up a bit of a fight. I think that was your uh, your dark horse pick, Josh. Maybe it was. Yep. Yeah. You might you might be onto something. Maybe for once. <laughs> Oilers and Jets. I was fucking out to lunch because the Oilers are shitting the bed. They are down three to nothing. We'll get into their monumental collapse last night a little bit uh, later on here. But they're in real rough shape. What'd you predict on that one, Peter? I predicted the Oilers. Yes, you did. My bad. My bad. <laughs> it's not over. It's not over, even though it's over. Uh, and then Leafs Habs are tied 1-1. They play again later tonight. And I will be intently watching that one. I, As will I. I still uh, I expect the Leafs to uh, have woken up now. And I think they're going to win this in five or six. What's uh, what do you think your biggest surprise is so far in between the, all the playoffs? Definitely the Oilers and yeah. being on the verge of being swept. Who would have thunk? For me, it's not necessarily a team; it's more of a player. Who would have thought that Jeff Carter would be an absolute fucking superstar in the playoffs? In what is he thirty-five-ish? Like he's he's pretty old, yeah. And he's got like twelve goals or something like that. Like it's wild. So. For me, he's like, my biggest surprise. Like, like since getting him, right? Since getting him, yes. Yeah. Well, since not, him. not in the playoffs. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> but just that that time frame, it hasn't been that long with him, and he's he's been pretty fucking good. And I don't think that they even expected to get that kind of uh, offensive production out of him. Well, he, look what Hall's doing with Buffalo with Boston. Yeah, but I, mean, I kind of figured that was going to happen, man. Yeah, me you put too. Put him on a half decent team, and that guy is going to going to show you why he was a Hart Trophy winner. Kevin's the only one hater on him, right? So, yeah. Yep. But, uh, but, yeah. I mean, he looked, he's done like huge for Boston right now. So, yeah. yeah so, so is Jeff Carter. Like, oh, I know. For shot, Pittsburgh, unbelievable. And his goals have been fantastic. He's sniping. Unreal. Them. Yep. I mean, it was, uh, you know, a shame to see Philly get rid of him, but whatever. That was a while ago. <laughs> I know, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's a good pickup. You know, he came to the Kings, right? I was going to say, <laughs> didn't he come from L.A.? <laughs> Just giving you a hard time, Kev. Always. Didn't he win one with the Kings, too? Yeah. I believe so. <laughs> and he also had uh, the backup that Toronto is starting, Campbell's. Nice little soups. He was there, too. Yeah. Okay, getting to the Leafs updates. So, game one... About halfway through the first period, a gruesome injury to Captain John Tavares. Uh, he was hit and falling. He took a knee in the head from uh, from Perry. I'm pretty sure we all agreed that there was accidental contact. Was, there was no intention from Perry to hit him with his knee. Not one bit. He's trying to get out of the way. We have a few hardcore friends that think it was intentional but those guys are a bit delusional little homerism in there i think yeah i mean you do have to kind of look at you know in the past Corey perry hasn't been the uh you know more most perfect uh specimen of a of a player from a injury standpoint and trying to hurt people but in this case i think it was uh fully unintentional yeah yeah and i think the two of them are uh, are friends off the ice as well 
uh, from their time playing with the Canada. So yeah, he uh, took a brutal knee to the head, got a serious concussion out of it. Uh, it was a bit tough to watch. Looked like he blacked out. Yeah. Oh yeah, man, he 100%. was done. He was he was knocked out. Well, you could see you could see as the medical team were trying to work on him that he's trying to get up and his brain is clearly just misfiring. Hard to watch. Yeah. But anyway, so he got stretchered off. Medical report is that he's he's got no structural damage or no um, serious injuries to his like his spine, his neck, his any of that kind of thing. He's obviously got a serious concussion. And he did get a knee injury out of it as well. I think he strained his MCL. Oh, shit. Yeah, I think the MCL was on that actual hit. That knocked him over. I don't know if it was. We don't know. It might have been on the hit. It might have been when he was sort of on the ground. Knocked out. Yeah. It's hard to speculate. It doesn't matter. I don't see him. I don't see him coming back until like July at the very earliest. But I'm no doctor. Um, but that's to me that looks like an extremely serious concussion that's going to take some time to come back from. I don't think we're going to see him in the lineup anytime soon. Well, they've, they've said already two weeks for sure, just for his knee, and then who knows about his head. So yeah, yeah. And so after the injury, uh, the very next face-off, Nick Felino dropped the gloves with Corey Perry, who hit him with the knee, hit John Tavares. Um, what do you guys think of that fight? Pointless. I thought it was. I stupid. think it was needed. No. I think it was needed to be done. I think it's stupid. It's one thing if it's if it's intentional, then you beat the shit out of them. But it's it was to me, it was clearly unintentional. There's no need to to fight there. Like he, or you could already tell right away he felt fucking horrible for doing it right on the ice. You can see he felt bad, and he was didn't mean to do it. And then like even when Felino talked to him, he's like, "All right, we're gonna drop the gloves." He's like, "Really? Like, do we really gotta do this?" And okay, I guess we have to. But to me, it was pointless. Corey Perry isn't the Corey Perry he used to be. Maybe back in the day, you do it just to get that his superstar ass off the ice for five minutes. But nowadays, he's not. He's a, he's a role player. So to me, I think it's, it's a stupid fight. It was dumb. I don't think anybody thought it was, was intentional, except for a few Homer fans that we know. And, uh, <laughs> and I just, I, I, thought, I thought it was dumb. That's my opinion. No, I, I think that was definitely needed to be done. It needed to be done, one, because you just put out our captain. I mean, like, I'm sorry, man. I'm surprised it wasn't done right then and there. And he's lucky it wasn't, you know, like anybody else to sit there and take him on. He's lucky he got Foligno because, I mean, anybody else on that team, it just could have destroyed him. But, I, yeah, I think it needed to be done. You put out my captain. We're dropping the gloves if you like it or not. So, and, and I, I just love how Perry actually stepped up to that plate and said, you know what? Yeah, man. Okay. I'll take it. Let's go. Are you not going to fight? You're just going to stand there and take the punches? It looked like that. It looked like he just got his ass beat by Felino. He barely even did anything. He threw him to the ground, but didn't really throw any punches. Like he just was like, all right, I'm going to get my ass kicked right now for, for something that was incidental. Yeah. I think, I think Perry had no intention of throwing any punches in that fight. Just he's, you know, he's, I think they both knew that it was not an intentional act that led to the injury, but it's, it's just standing up for your captain. Who's was just laying on the ice. Who was unconscious on the ice. Just like, 
his eyes rolled in the back of the head. It looked like. Oh yeah, man. Still, the, the better way to have done it would have been put six goals on the fucking board. Don't worry about beating Corey, Corey Perry up. Like he's not going to beat you. Corey Perry himself is not going to beat you. Why take yourself as Felino off the ice for five minutes when Felino's not a half bad player? You know, go and put fucking pucks in the net. They didn't do that. They did not do that after. So they didn't do any service to John Tavares after that. Now they did in the next game, but they shit the bed after that. And they needed to step up in other ways than fighting them, in my opinion. Either way, they weren't going to sit there and do it anyways, Josh. I mean, their captain's gone. I mean, that was a pure gut-wrenching shit. I, I mean, understand they, that. You're I, telling I, me that if, you, if you're a captain on the ice, you wouldn't have tried to step up and, and scored four goals yourself? And don't you think Felino is why the reason sitting there going, I'm going to bring up my momentum? You just destroyed us, man. It you just took out our captain. For so it didn't do a fucking because, thing. Because there was no crowd in the goddamn audience to sit there and give him that little boost of confidence to sit there and hear them go, let's go, let's go. It was totally silent. All you Nobody heard on the bench was fucking cheering heard, for the fight. It was a useless, pointless fight. Boards. You heard sticks. That's all you heard was sticks off the boards. And you know what? I'm thinking that any kind of momentum boost you could have got by by losing your captain, let's give her done. Let's get her done. Okay, but, it, but what I'm saying thing is that it did not work. It absolutely did not work. Because what did they lose by? Three goals? Uh, one. one. Was no, it only one, one goal? Okay, sorry. Yeah. But still, it still didn't score enough goals. Matthews didn't show up to that game. And you well, well, I don't know about after that. that. After that, you, you need him to captain. Somebody's got to step up, Kev. It doesn't matter. I don't care if you lose your captain. You have Somebody has to step up. And nobody stepped up. And that's the disservice to, to John Tavares there. Not fucking fighting for no reason. That's so stupid. But they did it. They did their justice in game two. This that's, is the most amped up I've seen Josh for hockey ever. That's, yeah. <laughs> game two has nothing to do with it, in my opinion. Yes, they needed to come back. And that was against the whole Montreal team and saying, look, we're not going to fucking lay down for you guys. And so, the, so game two is totally different. But I don't know. To me, that fight did nothing. It didn't do anything for motivation. They... They were still lackluster after that, and and it showed throughout the whole game. Yeah, so it's it's hard to speculate on how the game might have been different if the fight didn't happen. Like I I understand the fight because you're when the team is there and your captain's on the ice, everyone is just completely fucking rattled, just completely shook. And the idea of the fight is to get get your team going again, get them back in the in the in the game and get focused on trying to win the game, which seemed like it didn't really happen. They they didn't look like they had it the rest of that game. I will disagree with your comment about Matthews, though. I thought he had a great game. Uh, he had something like 10 shots on goal, and he had a couple posts. He was he was, uh, he was around unlucky. the net and close to scoring. But, yeah, he just got a little bit unlucky, I thought. Who knows what it might have been if, if the fight didn't happen. Maybe it would have been a 4-1 blowout from – uh, from the hab side uh, we don't know obviously we're speculating but I, I think I don't have a problem with the fight I think it was trying to get the team back going in the right direction back focused on the game and get going again but it didn't work so <laughs> but it still needed to be done it was either that game or the next one and we didn't want to do it the next one because then we're not playing Toronto game we're not playing Toronto style hockey so yeah and again we don't we don't know if it worked or not it might have, again, it could have been 4 or 5 1 for the Canadians if they didn't have the fight. Maybe they would have completely packed it in and not put up as much of a fight as they did. 
Well, you also see what Perry did to Simmons. I mean, Simmons is sitting there going, "We like Perry's like, are we cool, bro?" And Simmons is like going, "You know, man, you're lucky. You're fucking lucky because like if Simmons grabbed a hold of him, that would have been a different torn, like different story. It's lucky he got Felino, not just fucking Simmons." Yeah, I mean, Perry can hold his own too. He's a big boy and he's not uncommon to fight him. No, like I agree with you. Simmons would have been a uh, a tougher opponent, but. I don't think Perry would have been in a situation where he would have got completely massacred or anything. He knows how to fight and he's a big boy. Well, obviously the coach didn't feel that he needed to put uh, Simmons out there because they had last change. They could have put him out there yeah. and they didn't. So he, and, you know, yeah. I think, I think it was just too unintentional to have a real fight. That's going to do anything. If he fucking intent- intended to do it, fucking beat his ass and that will fire up the team, but he didn't intend to do it. So yeah. Anyway, that's all I got to say. Okay. So Dubas had some comments on the Toronto Sun's insensitive cover image and the caption that they put on the cover. They basically had a picture of Tavares on the ice bleeding from the head. And the caption they put on there was Captain Crunched, which uh, I, I agree with, with Dubas on this one. That's like you don't need to. Rub salt into the wound. Right. It's a it's an insensitive way to get the story across. It's a it's a major story. It's got to be on the in the paper. It's probably going to be on the front page, but it didn't need to be presented in the way it was. Would you have a different opinion if it was the Montreal captain laying on the ice? I'll, yeah, bet, you, then, uh, I'll bet you would. I don't think then so. Montreal would have that same kind of a. Like the GM then Montreal would, have something right? But yeah, our, our, sure. but are Montreal fans crying about about this? It's also on the Toronto not. Toronto Sun too. So right. it's Fair a enough. it's it's within it's the city and everything. For sure. Now they're also just trying to get a, a headline out there, right? And of course, it's definitely catchy. So that's right. They're trying to stoke outrage by putting that out there. Yeah, that's, there's that's there's not there's not a lot of uh, bad press these days that don't doesn't it forwards a lot of retweets and and people looking at stuff right so yeah that's how you get clicks exactly so in the rest of the game one like we mentioned earlier the Leafs really couldn't get their offense going and Paul Byron scored a highlight reel shorthanded goal which ended up being the game winner so he got a bit of a partial break on on the shorthanded chance Sandy tried to strip him of the puck with the diving play and didn't work he knocked him down, but he kept the puck. So he came in on his knees, and uh, Campbell tried to poke check the puck away, and he flipped it over him in a beautiful play. Roofed it. Roofed yeah. it. That was pretty. Yeah. Real nice play. Won them the game. Very unfortunate for us in the Leafs nation, but sometimes you get beats with a beautiful play like that when your offense isn't really going. Game two was a different story. So game two, I thought Montreal was very undisciplined in game two. I don't remember how exactly how many penalties they took, but something like six or seven penalties. It was more than four. And the Leafs finally were able to get the power play going and take advantage. They scored two power play goals in the game. They got their offense going a little bit five on five as well. Uh, and they won the game handily five one with an empty netter. So it was nice to see the offense finally wake up, come to play for uh, Captain John. And the power play as well. Yeah. Wow. 
nice to see the power play going for sure. So hopefully we'll see more of that tonight when they play again. Matthews, to me, has looked like he's, he's been playing like a man possessed, like an absolute superstar. He put up three points last night's game. Throwing his body too, though, boys. Yeah. Throwing his body is what I like. He's laying some hits. He's, uh, he's playing like he's trying to put this team on his back and win this series, which is great to see. Yep. So hopefully that keeps up and he keeps on playing like a man possessed and keeps on bringing us at least out of the first round and hopefully further. So they have back-to-back games coming up, game three and four. They play tonight and tomorrow. Anybody think they play Anderson for tomorrow night's game? I still say you got to go with your goalie. That's but that's, a, that's hot. And, I mean, Soups is hot. So let's keep them running. I don't see Freddie coming back anywhere near this series. Maybe next one, but not this one. I think this is Freddie's only chance to come in this, in this one. If they roll through Montreal here, I don't, you know, on the back of Anderson, I don't think they necessarily, why chance it? I agree with you though. Why, why bother putting him in at this point when you do have Campbell that's playing pretty well. But I think if he's going to get in uh, Anderson, it's got to be in the first series in order for him to get in, in the second series. But I just can't see it happening. I don't think, I don't think we'll put Anderson in unless there's like overtime. That's the only way I can see it. You're going to put a, a cold goalie in an overtime or do you no, 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 the next day. Okay, if, yeah, if, yeah. if, if Monday goes it or tonight goes into overtime, maybe they put Anderson in. that's the only way I see it. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're probably right. Unless, unless Campbell struggles today or yeah, the night's game goes to triple uh, overtime. Yeah. Some stupid like triple quadruple overtime or something. Then, yeah, I think you probably see Campbell again tomorrow night. And I think that's probably the right decision. He's playing well. Yep. Keep riding the hot goalie. And so if if this series goes to game six in Montreal, there will actually be fans in attendance at Bell Center in Montreal. I think 2,500 fans uh, will be allowed to enter this the building. So that'll give Montreal a bit of a unfair advantage, so to speak if they actually are able to have fans in their home game. Now, obviously, it won't. 2,500 is far different than 20,000. It's going to fill the building. It's still going to sound like 20,000 people when you've played all year with nobody. Yeah, it's it's for sure it's going to be completely different. But what I like about it, though, is that there are any time that Toronto's ever gone into Montreal, you hear more go Leafs go than you actually do hear go Habs go. You won't this time. No, I don't agree with that. Maybe in Ottawa, not oh. in Montreal. Oh, buddy, wherever they go, you hear go Leafs go in their, in their fucking stands. On the away side is what I'm getting at, too. I think they're, for the people that are going there, they're going to give it to the season ticket holders, which is definitely going to be Habs fans. Yeah. Well, and you can't leave Ontario. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> or if you do, you're fucking quarantining for, for two weeks before well, the I'm game. Sh- so. I'm sure there's uh, Toronto fans in Montreal. Of course, but, of course. Yes. Yeah. But I think they'll go to the season ticket holders first. They'll auction them off to them first, probably. They probably have a questionnaire. Are you a Leafs or a Habs fan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they probably let in like five Leafs fans just for color. And uh, <laughs> everyone else is a Habs fan. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, it would actually be nice to see fans in the building in Canada. Hopefully we're coming to a point where that can be a little bit normal again. Probably not this season, but next season. On Ontario, 
Yeah. Right. It'll just it'll just be nice to see fans in the building, even if it is the enemy's building. So that's all for the lease, except they are uh, finally being released of their it was four to one curse from the 2013 series against Boston, where they blew a four to one lead in game seven. Something like 11 minutes left. The Oilers managed to one up them on that and blow a 4-1 lead with, I think it's something like eight minutes left and continue to lose the game in overtime, similar to the Leafs in 2013. But like you said, it was a game seven. Yeah. This one's, this one is is game three. I was just going to say that just for sure. This isn't near, for me, this isn't, the Leafs still hold that blow on the the 4-1 lead because this is a game three. It wasn't an elimination game. You know. It wasn't the last game of the yeah. series, too. So, like, like I get like what you're saying. Like, they they shit the bed hard there, and they are losing that series pretty badly. Obviously, really badly. But I don't think it takes the cake over them. Like, yeah, the time is maybe a difference, but it's not the high. The stakes aren't as high. I I, I agree, and I don't. So. Obviously, in a game seven, it's higher stakes, and it's. It hurts more. But the 2013 Leafs, led by number one center Tyler Bozak, had no business being in that series to begin with. Like, Boston was a far better team. The Leafs had managed to put up three wins against them and were leading in game seven. And then, obviously, the monumental collapse happened. But they were they, – they should have never won that series – Boston was the favorite team, and they should have been, and they should have won that that series. In this case, Edmonton was the heavily favored team here in this series, and they oh, yeah. they've yet to win a game. They had the game all but wrapped up yesterday until the monumental collapse. It's not a good time to be an Edmonton fan, I don't think. Like it's it hasn't been good a good time for them for a while. <laughs> But yeah, but it's it's especially you never want to come in as a favorite and get swept. Just, well, <laughs> maybe get swept and also have a game uh, all but wrapped up and have a monumental collapse, giving up a four to one lead with eight minutes and something left. That's that's a bad time. That's not good enough. It was that penalty, wasn't it? Was it like uh, that kind of somewhat hip check that Buddy tried to throw out there, that that was kind of did the little flip flop. I think it was Archibald on uh, Logan Stanley. Logan Stanley's like fucking nine feet tall or some shit, and Archibald's just a little guy. So he he tried to lay a hit on him, and he saw how fucking gigantic he was. Obviously, I'm exaggerating, but he is like six seven or something. He's a big big boy. So instead of trying to hit him in the chest. He caught him right down low, and he cooked him a little bit and uh, took a penalty for it. And Stanley was on the ice for a bit. He didn't get up right away from the hit. So the Jets took that as a – they rallied around that. They scored on the power play, and after that, it was it was lights out. The Jets just took they the game scored, over. They scored, like, 16 or 17 seconds laughter or something like that? Yeah, I'm not sure if it was that goal in the next one or the next two but they scored goals 16 seconds apart to to bring the game to a tie. I don't think that power play goal was one of them, actually. I think that brought them to 4-2, and then the 4-3 and 4-4 goals were 
16 seconds apart. Right. So yeah, real rough night for Edmonton. They play again tonight. Um, I think it might be the end for them, but we'll see if they can try and right the ship a little bit and uh, try and make this a series. But I don't see it happening. Well, they wouldn't be the only team if they ever came back from a, a 3-0 deficit. So They wouldn't be the only one, done. but I think it's only happened four times maybe. It, it can be done, but I don't see it happening. I mean... If they do win one, it's the, the momentum's still on the Jets' side, so whatever. Yeah. I mean, you've got the best player in the world on your side, so that helps the cause, but I don't think that's going to be enough to. But when that Jets goalie, man, when he gets going, man, oh, man, oh, man, he's hard to beat. Yeah. It'd be nice when they put up four on him to actually close out a victory. But they uh, struggled to do so. Not good enough. Well, I'm not sure if anybody in the NBA is going to get swept uh, in the first round in the playoffs. It's possible, but the the, uh, the matchups are looking pretty tight. My guess is that nobody gets swept. But rolling into the NBA, uh, last week, I believe I had mentioned a few of the teams who I thought were going to finish out the regular season and then make it into the play-ins. If I'm not mistaken, I think I was right on all the teams getting into the plans, which wasn't really difficult to predict. Come on. It wasn't. It was all the people that were correctly seated too, right? Yeah, exactly. So there, there was like no point to even do the play-ins at that. And, but that was, that was just me bashing the play-ins a bit. I feel like you had Golden State. Uh, no, I had Golden State to win in the second play-in game. So the first one to get into the play-ins, I had those right. The Lakers. But in the right, but in the actual play-in games, because I couldn't say who was in or who was out 100. percent But I did say I would have taken Golden State over Memphis, not over LA. So I had LA beating Golden State to take the seven, and then Golden State and Memphis playing, which is exactly what happened. But I said Golden State would come out, and that did not happen. So to recap, so it was the Lakers versus Golden State in the first play-in game. And then Memphis and San Antonio in the second, which would make the teams move on. LA won getting the seventh seed. And Memphis won as the ninth seed. So then they ended up facing the loser of the Laker-Golden State game, which was Golden State. And then Memphis, uh, as we just said, ended up winning to get the final eight seed in the West. Uh, in the East, I had said that Charlotte was going to beat Indy, and that did not happen. You mean the Bobcats, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I mean. Uh, the seventh seed faced the eight seed, which was Boston and Washington. Boston ended up winning. So both seven seeds, although uh, uh, LeBron was crying a bit uh, because he had to play in the play and he ended up winning and he ended up staying in the seventh seed, just like Boston. And then uh, Washington ended up having to beat Indiana to get in. They did so, finishing in the eighth seed. So the actual playoffs look like this in the west we've got utah versus memphis phoenix versus the lakers denver versus portland the clip versus the mavs and we've already had a game in each of those uh, so the grizzlies the suns the blazers and the mavericks are all up one nothing actually three of the four are the underdogs are up one nothing in the west so far in the east you had philly washington brooklyn boston milwaukee miami and New York Knicks and the Atlanta Hawks. 
And the Sixers, the Nets, the Bucks, and the Hawks are all up one nothing. It's a pretty decent game so far. I really enjoyed watching actually the playing game with the Golden State and the Lakers. It was a hell of a game, and LeBron came up with that last clutch three pointer. Yeah, it was a nice shot in that game too. I believe Curry had one from way downtown. He was. Oh, yeah way out there and, and got it in like no no issue kind of thing like that. But I do want to say one more thing about the play-ins is uh, your boy, Russell Westbrook, Mr. Triple-Double, didn't get any triple-doubles there. Yeah. Yeah, he um, he kind of choked a bit, but... He didn't really choke. He just didn't play up to triple-double double okay, standards. fair enough. But he, I didn't see this game, if he got one, did he get one or not? Uh, in his last game, I'm not sure. Um, I mean, he's they're the eight seed now, so yeah. Uh, I haven't that that game. I don't know. I did not look into that. That would have been a, an interesting thing to keep it going, but he's still got to be averaging a triple double. So, <laughs> but obviously, playoffs is a completely different animal. So, right, and that and that's what I was saying coming into the playoffs was he's a great seasonal seasonal guy, but for sure, post postseason's a little different. So like we did last week with the NHL, gents, I want to ask you guys who you guys are picking to win the NBA Finals, uh, to win the championship. So what do you guys think? Nets. Kevin's got the Nets. Why do you get the Nets? Oh, man, it's that, that three, the scary three. They're healthy. Big three are there, and they are healthy and starting now, and – I'm going to go with you, Kevin. I think they're going to dominate. They got the best guys as long as they can stay healthy. I think they can get the East and then the NBA championship. Well, I think they're going to be a powerhouse in the East, but I think they're going to run into a man possessed named Joel Embiid. And they're not going to make it through that that wall. And I got the 76ers winning, winning it all this year. Well, for me, I've got the uh, Denver Nuggets. I think even without Jamal Murray, Mr. Kitchener boy, uh, they're still going to be able to pull it out. They're a pretty solid team. They did well last year. Yeah, it doesn't hurt to have Jokic on your team too. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, no matter what, you guys got all East guys, which is crazy because just a couple years ago, we would have all been picking teams out of the West. In the West, yeah, for sure. And so it almost seems like the balance of power has has swung to the East because there are some pretty dominant teams in the East. Not, not that there isn't dominant teams in the West, but they there aren't they aren't as dominant. I would say the Clippers, the Lakers, they're just not the teams that they were, you know, a year ago, even and two years ago, I guess, for the Lakers. And same with uh, same with Golden State. Without Clay Thompson, they're just not the same team. They're decent. They were pretty good. Clay carried the team, or sorry, not Clay, uh, uh, Steph carry the team but uh, to be able to see clay hopefully come back next year i I think they're going to be good again next year but i got the nugs and uh i'm hoping mr kitchener can at least get a ring even though i won't be playing that'll be pretty cool maybe we'll see like a ceremony or a parade or some shit here in kitchener which would be kind of cool not probably not a parade but (laughs) (laughs) so one thing that i missed last week on the hall of fame enshrinement chat was the first fan that was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame, Toronto Raptors' own super fan, Navatia. He has been to every single Raptors game, at least at home, and I'm pretty sure most away games as well, since the Raps started playing basketball, which is insane. 26 years, 
not missing, like I said, at least every home game. There's no question that he is the NBA's biggest super fan. No question. He's got to be the, I mean, you'd say maybe, maybe uh, Jack Nicholson would, uh, would be because of the Lakers, but Spike Lee, you're right. Except now Spike Lee has said, screw you, Nick's. He doesn't want anything to do with them. So, <laughs> so for me, definitely this is well, uh, well-deserved. He's got his Jersey. He's got a pair of shoes and he's got one of his turbans in the, in the hall of fame enshrinement for him. And I just think it's pretty cool thing to be recognized as as a top fan as you know as Toronto's super fan and being the first fan inducted into that hall of fame is uh, is pretty cool and uh, we should have mentioned this last week and it slipped to the cracks so I definitely wanted to add to it this week and it's nice to see that it's not a celebrity it's just yeah, a regular right. re- like a regular guy like he obviously has money but he he he's unknown outside of Toronto yeah well, yeah, but everyone knows Jack Nicholas and, and Spike Lee and stuff like that, right? So he they don't have he doesn't have that fame other than in in Toronto. His interview, his his actually interview was done inside his vehicle. But I I was gonna say the same thing Jesse said that like he's he's not famous for anything other than being a rap super fan. Like he's I think he owns some car dealerships, but he worked he's like a blue collar guy. He worked his way up to that. And yeah, he's not famous for being an actor or a musician or anything like that. He's just he got a he got a ring too, I think, when the raps won, right? That's right. So he's the first yeah, fan one. first fan ever to get a ring from a championship team. And and now that he ha- is super fan and he's famous because of being a fan, he's done all kinds of good things in the community around Toronto and the GTA uh, with you know different programs and whatnot. And he's so currently one of them is. He's fixing up a bunch of community uh, courts. So resurfacing them, you know, new asphalt or at least a new blacktop on it and, and fixing up rims and stuff like that and getting, making it easier for, for kids that, that would be playing or people in general that would be playing on these community courts. Uh, so they have, you know, some quality stuff to be playing on and, and especially for the kids, maybe that will, you know, put them in the right trajectory to potentially playing in the NBA one day. Uh, so it's a yep. great initiative by Nav and definitely love seeing him at all the games and he sits sits right behind the net usually and he's the first guy to be up and cheering and chirp at the opponents when uh, when they're shooting free throws so just love this and I think it's a it was a good job by the NBA or or by basketball to put him into the the Hall of Fame I, I like it this week's points and penalties MVP is brought to you by MVP Brewing Company try the game changer Our MVP this week is sponsored by MVP Brewing. MVP's kickback program is to give every child the chance to be the best MVP they can be. MVP Brewing wants to make all sports more accessible and affordable by donating 5% of all sales towards community kids sports organizations. It's a great initiative and we have a lot of respect for it. MVP Brewing. So our MVP for the week, the lefty himself, the old man, Phil Mickelson, at age 50, wins the PGA Championship. Uh, His first major since 2013, and he now has the record for the oldest major winner in golf history. So he finished minus six, shot a 73 in the final round, 
two shots under Ustuzen and Kepka, who shot a 73 and 74 respectively in their final rounds. And his brother is actually his caddy for this tournament. Yeah, he didn't play great in the final round, but either did Ustuzen and Kepka, so he was able to hold them off and uh, and pull it out. It was nice to see him win for sure. I like it. I mean, my natural swing is a left-handed swing. I don't know why I swing right when I play golf, but I mean, if I were, if I were to change it again, I would definitely try and go back to a lefty. Have you guys ever seen the videos of Phil shooting backwards? It's ridiculous. So he's he's not shooting actually shooting backwards. So he takes his shot normally, but he gets so much fucking backspin under the ball, and he cuts it in such a way that the ball actually flies up and backwards. It's crazy how he can he can do this. Like seriously, YouTube that it's wild how he can do that. You'll be like, what? Like I can barely shoot the ball straight, let alone shoot it backwards. <laughs> oh yeah, he's done. He's done some tricks over like some kind of seven foot, some odd guy. Just like I mean, just flops this thing straight up in the air, just over him and drops right behind him. I mean, this guy's tricks with his um, wedges and and sand wedges is unbelievable. You're right on that, Yosh. Yeah. So also, he got a shout out from Mr. Tom Brady saying, "That's my quarterback." <laughs> <laughs> He was his partner. Uh, I don't. I think it was last year uh, with uh, him oh, and Phil right. versus versus Peyton and Tiger. Tiger yeah. wasn't that where Barkley was chirping fucking someone, and then he ended up it was Brady. So Barkley was commentating and chirping, and that, they had it all live while they were sw- while they were like playing the game, and and Barkley chirped Tom Brady, and then Tom Brady, I think he chipped hold out, yeah, hold out that from point. like seventy five <laughs> yards out. So, but it's just funny that they still got that kind of. Or that relationship, and they still want to play again against someone this this off season here, for the for NFL. But but they want to do another uh, two pair, I guess. The celebrity. Well, good on Phil Mickelson uh, for winning this week's MVP. Definitely well deserved on uh, on this PGA Championship win. Good for you, old man. Yeah, you're almost there, bud. Maybe one day you can win the PGA Championship. Well, it's the only day that I had that fulfillment that i've actually beaten someone but we'll get into that we'll get into that so a couple runner-ups here for the mvp was right into the mlb and we've had a couple more no hitters big surprise we had spencer turnbull of the tigers and Corey kluber from the yanks both with no hitters turnbull's no hitter was the first in uh first for the tigers excuse me since 2011 and he's the eighth tiger all time to get a no hitter he threw nine strikeouts and walked two batters in his no-no. Corey Kluber, first Yankee since 1999 to throw a no-no, and he's the 12th Yankee of all time, which you would think there would be more just because it's the Yankees. But uh, I guess 12 is a pretty decent number. And Kluber had nine Ks and had one walk in his no-no. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, David Cohn was the last Yankee and I believe it was a perfect game. How's that for your memory in 1999? Well, my memory only in 99, to be purely honest, was when my second child was born. So, I mean, to me, baseball and everything else was just not... You didn't have time for no. baseball. <laughs> no, man. No, man. I was still dealing with a, a first child, too. So, But how many total in so far that six. we have? so Six so far. Yep. And I believe there's only what seven in total of last season that there was no nos. Seven total, or the record is the record is eight. Is that what the record but is? That was 
it was way back in the 1800s, I believe, when that record was sent or, or had. And then I think the modern day is seven in a season. Yeah, in a season so far. And we're already at, what, six? Yeah. Wow. Unbelievable. And like you said, Kev, they're all in American ballparks, which is the weird thing. Right. American League American League ballpark, sorry. Right. It's just it's a strange thing. Yeah, yeah I, I, I checked that after you said that because I was like, really? And then, yeah, they all were in there, minus Bumgarner, which was obviously not a no-hitter, but mm-hmm. that still is crazy that they finished a game with no hits. And then this is Kluber again. It was he was one out away from a perfect game, like perfect without walking nobody. I mean, like that, that that's what I'm waiting for because there's there's been walks and hit pitcher or hit batters, whatever. But I mean, I just think you know, just I would like a complete no fucking nothing, no walks, no shebangs. But I mean, no no is a no no, so whatever. Why do you think this is happening? Why do you think there's so many no hitters this season? Well, I think we talked about it before about the it's the, the ball. ball. Yeah. The ball being, they changed lighter. it to have more uh, spin and uh, a little bit lighter. Like the exit velocity on the balls are still is higher than usual, but that also comes into the ball being lighter, but they, they can add a little bit more spin onto it is what Statcast is saying. And everyone's uh, VLO is up. So when you can throw harder or faster, you, you tend to get a little bit more swings and misses. And then obviously with spin rate, that'll happen. The crazy thing about this is Turnbull, like I can see Kluber. I'm shocked. This is Kluber's first no hitter at 35. And he's been out for the last like two years off injuries and everything like that. But Turnbull, like he's flashed, but I did not ever expect him to get a no hitter. And it was uh, consecutive days. Did you have Kluber in your lineup this week? I did not. I was pissed. He, uh, he was on the bench. You had John Means, right, for the no-no that week. That was against me. Yeah. And then I figured, yeah. I was like, oh, maybe he'll start Kluber. Wouldn't that be crazy to get a couple of no-nos back-to-back weeks? Yeah, yeah. And he, he was up there between Ian Anderson, too, who ended up doing well as well, but obviously not worthy of a no-hitter. But it was uh, – in our league, a no-hitter, you get, like, a bunch of extra points and everything like that. So it was – Amazing for Kluber. I'm glad he got it, even if he is a silly Yankee right now. But uh, he des- well deserves it because he is. A- and it's good to see that he's coming back from his two-year hiatus of just being injured. Yeah, hopefully he can. Uh, I mean, not that we want to see him being dominant as a Yankee, but he was a great pitcher. And I always like watching him work. So uh, now I won't, I won't like it as much because he's a Yank. But uh, you do want it for your prediction. That is true. I do want it for my prediction, but I don't want to see it, especially against the is so he can he can shit the bed against the jays all year <laughs> i still can't believe you picked that fucking the yankees yeah you took right? Same here. <laughs> unbelievable yeah but they're uh, in the other I, league yeah that, that, that i can see the dodgers but you picked the yankees just you trying to get points oh, boys i'm just trying to win points <laughs> but you got you got to have some morals too you know oh man <laughs> that was like a kick to the loins when you said the yankees to me Hey, you can you could talk a little bit more shit if I would have like taken the fucking Bruins to win the cup. <laughs> it's the same kind of thing. It is the exact same thing. Like they're rivals. It's not quite the same. It's almost the same. But not quite. Okay, so in other news in the MLB, uh, superstar Mike Trout has been placed on a 10-day IL with a calf strain, but he is likely to miss six to eight weeks. Figure it's uh, going to be a 
pretty bad strain. And uh, I don't think they're going to rush him back. They're not. They're in like fourth in their division. So I, I highly doubt that they rush him back. They want to keep him uh, healthy when he is out there on like uh, the Springer the George Springer uh, mentality is to be half-assed and then come out and get hurt again and then come back out and then get hurt again and then sit and come out and get hurt again is what seems to be happening with Springer. So the Angels don't want to do that with Mike Trout, and I can't can't blame them there. So basically what you're saying, then, they want to keep them downstream. They don't want to keep them upstream. They want to keep them just a little down, right? What? Downstream. Trout. Come oh, on. fuck. <laughs> Whoosh, that went all over yeah, all of our heads. that went over all, all of our heads. Total yeah. dad joke there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. All right, so a question for you guys. Uh, the Angels, like I said, are pretty sure they are in fourth place in their division. Do they fall off either, even more? Or will Shohei, superstar Shohei be, and, and Cole be able to keep them afloat where they maybe could possibly still get into a, a wild card run type thing when Trout comes back. I know it's only, you know, two months, two months is, uh, is a long time for ball. And if you get down too far, you're fucked. I, I think it hurts them a lot. Like there's in baseball, it's so important to have consistent hitters through your lineup. He's the best hitter though. And he's in one of them. <laughs> Why? He's yep. been, he's been the most consistent over the last couple of years. Like, yeah. Yep. I mean, he's still got Otani, but he's he can only do so much by himself. Like, you, you got to string together uh, runs and runners on base, and it's I think it's going to hurt them a lot having him out of the lineup. I think they're going to free fall a little bit. I think uh, they're going to bring up, obviously, their prospects and Brandon Marsh and perhaps Joe Adele. Now, Joe Adele has a very high strikeout rate right now. I think it's almost over 30 but he has still a lot of power with him. And we saw him last year and he wasn't any hot shit or anything like that, but he's supposed to be like a Mike Trout, like a next, the next superstar in outfield kind of thing like that. But can they make a wild card spot? I think there's just too many teams in the AL, too many good teams in the AL for, for them to make it. And even with Otani, I haven't checked recently, but I know he was leading the majors in uh, home runs, but they might also dial back his uh, pitching now just so that he doesn't get hurt. Cause this, cause this uh, as good of a pitcher as he has been lately and everything like that, you don't, the more you put a guy out there in the field, the more chance he has to get hurt. So I can see them maybe dialing back his innings or maybe get doing like a six man rota- rotation instead of a five man rotation. I'm not sure of the other pitcher that they might call up to do the six spot, but. I don't think the Angels can reach the wild card spot, even with all the with Otani and and Cole. Would you still put Otani in as in regards to the, just throwing like uh, pretend games? I mean, not actually pitching, but pitching like you know, I don't know how they call Open it. Yeah, like sessions. Yeah, basically, yeah, they're like pitching a full game, but they're not kind of. I mean, do you think you keep on doing that? Because if not, then if you do need to call up that pitcher, I mean, he's still ready to go. Then not being you know, cold. I mean, you still got to pitch some games. You're not going to make Otani pick, pitch simulated games if he's pitching every five days. There you go. Simulated. Because that's then he's, pitch, yeah, then simulated. he's not going to pitch that fifth day for the team. So I don't think he puts, pitches simulated games unless he's injured or coming back from an injury. But if you're not going to use him as a pitcher, why wouldn't you, you got to? Why wouldn't they use him as a pitcher? I think you should. I was saying that because of the injury risk, 
and then losing his bat, they might dial down his innings. Maybe his innings, but not his starts, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you, Yoshi. Like, you need his bat and his arm at this point, especially with Trout down. Yep. No matter what – well, maybe not no matter what, but I don't think that they will make a, a wild card just for the same reason. There's just too many – too many other teams. There are seven and a half games back Oakland right now in their own division in last place. So it's fifth, not fourth in that division. I just don't think that there's a chance uh, that they can, they got to have a lot of things go their way and trout being out for two months is not one of them. So um, now uh, he is Otani is one back in home runs. So uh, one of you guys had mentioned uh, from, for the lead. So Acuna Jr. has got 15 Otani and Garcia both have 14. And then there's a couple Others uh, at 13, one of which being Vlad. Yeah. Yeah. And Tatis, actually. So it's uh, pretty pretty bunched up at the top there. But, uh, but yeah, I don't think that they have a chance to make the playoffs or even that wild card spot. It's just too, it's too far-fetched at this point, especially without Trout. Oh, there was a trade in the MLB. Tampa Bay, they had a surplus of middle infielders, so they decided that they could part with one. Uh, so they traded Willie Domez, shortstop, and a right-handed starter, Trevor Richards, to the Brewers in return for a couple right-hand pitchers in J.P. Fireisen and Drew Rasmussen. Uh, as I said, Tampa did have a surplus of the middle il- infielders with uh, Lau and the their kind of new prospect who just came up. Uh, his name is... Uh, Walls, his last name is Walls, and he played pretty well in his debut, and he's looking like uh, he will fill in that that role nicely. And uh, it was good for Tampa to be able to move a guy uh, like Adames and to get some uh, bullpen help. These are all bullpen. Uh, Rasmussen and Fire Rice and R and Trevor Richards was a starter that they got rid of. This is what Tampa does, right? Is they take these old guys like Trevor Richards and 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 get some good and then trades them away, kind of thing like right. that. So yeah, so they they got some uh, some bullpen guys back and gave up a, a guy really that they were assuming that Walls plays out how they want to. They won't miss Adames too much uh, in that trade. So I don't think it was a bad trade at all for for either team. Um, you know, the Fire Rice and the Rasmussen, they're just uh, they're bullpen guys. They're middle relief. Well, I think Rasmussen's more of a. I don't know if he'll be their closer, but he's maybe a setup guy for them now. Tampa doesn't use closers. They use a, a bevy right. of guys. So, so, yeah. so he, he could be a closer one day. He could be a setup guy the next, and he you know wouldn't catch the third game type thing. So, but I don't I don't mind this trade at all. Uh, I think it works out for both teams in this uh, instance. I think they're clearing space for Wander Franco to come up. Tell you the truth. Yeah, but Franco's an outfielder. No, he's not. Challenge. He's a shortstop or and a middle infielder. Ooh, bam! Get him, Jesse. Get him. <laughs> <laughs> when did you pick Kev to be your hype man? <laughs> I got another infielder guy that I can't remember. That's been pretty good. Shoot, I can't remember his name. I wish you knew a little bit more about baseball here, man, because you know that that'd be on Josh right now too with you, Jess. You're right. Yeah, he plays. He's a shortstop. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that's why I think they're they're moving him out there to to get Wander Franco up here, who's obviously the number one prospect in the MLB by all accounts, by almost everybody. Yeah. So that's why I think they did this trade and uh, get more guys in the bullpen. The guys in the bullpen can never hurt, right? Extra guys. So 
as we've seen plenty of times, guys go down, especially in the Jays uh, situation. So it's never a bad idea to have more guys. And mentioning the Jays, let's get into our uh, Blue Jays update. It's been a tough week for the Jays. They suck. They, they <laughs> suck they this know. week for sure. Oh, give like what well, uh, man? They all got to go for a little bit of a downslide. Come on, leave them be. They're zero and six this week, Kev. Like that's huge. It's all good. Again, Against two teams that we needed to get at least a win apiece against. At least a win apiece. So they played Boston and Tampa. Uh, They did play Monday against Tampa as well to finish up the series. But they are 0-3 versus Boston and 0-3 versus Tampa so far, or as of this week, sorry. Like I said, huge losses. There was lots of of games here that they could have made up uh, ahead of them, and they could have potentially moved up in the standings. They are now fourth place, only above Baltimore four and a half games back of Boston. And this could have been a totally different situation had the Jays been able to, I mean, if they could have won this series, win two games apiece between both Boston and Tampa, they would be in a hell of a lot better shape, but uh, it is still early. So, you know, they're still within striking distance. I'm not too, too concerned, but they played like, overall, they played like shit this week compared to last five and one and a sweep last week. And then this week they get swept. Once and potential for twice, uh, depending on if Tampa wins today or uh, the Monday night uh, or Monday afternoon game here. Yeah, they've been terrible in the East so far. Like, actually, they were de- doing really good, and then obviously they just hit shit the bed this week, which kind of sucks because they're eight and nine. So it's all on this week that they've been just getting their asses kicked against the East mm-hmm. right here. Yeah, and these are the series that can make or break the playoffs at the end right. of the day. These are the big. Like series. you look back. You look back at the end of the day, if they miss the playoffs by a game or two, and you look back at these series and you say, fuck, yep. that was the time. It's still early. Know. It's still early. But... I know. I know. But I'm just, it's, you got to come out with at least a win out of these. Fucking series. Oh, I agree. They can't, you can't be getting swept in series for sure. You got to be at least getting one here. here. At least go to a rubber kind of deal, man. Come on. Yeah. I don't even care if it's a rubber. Just win the last frigging game. So the Jays are still taking it slow with George Springer. Uh, no real update on his uh, injuries. He's he started to run, but nothing crazy. So I have no idea when they're going to bring him back. I would like it to be soon because I have a plethora of injuries on my fantasy team and I need his ass badly. Uh, <laughs> even if it was just a placeholder, like, <laughs> like I said, all my guys are fucking injured. So I could definitely use that. And being that he's my, my number one center fielder, it doesn't, uh, doesn't do me any good him on the bench. But uh, from a pro standpoint, uh, again, the Jays could definitely use them. It didn't seem like the Jays offense was lacking too much this this week it just they just couldn't pull it together like you know could close it yeah they they were Jess I believe you had mentioned that they were kind of up in a bunch of the games and kind of blew leads yeah so Ray Ray went like had a quality start with giving up with one run and I believe he had enough support run support and then the bullpen blew it and I think both of Ryu's starts this week were the same as well yeah Ryu had a great week yeah yeah, and he went deep into the ball game too. So it seems like this week, uh, although you know in, in the past the bullpen has been pretty solid, this week they seem to have kind of blown it. But hey, that it is what it is. That shit happens, and uh, and like we've said, it is still early. But uh, they need to. They, they can't be polar opposites like this. You know, five and one, one, one week, and then zero and six the next. They gotta they gotta level that out. And they're still playing just five hundred ball, right? Which 
probably, I mean, the way it's going in the AL East, probably isn't going to make the playoffs at that point. You got a lot of teams ahead of you. Hey, whoa, 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 so, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, 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 no. Shut. No, they're good. They're World Series champs, bud. Kev, they better start I, playing like I it. I want to see it, but they got a long way to go, especially with those teams in front of them just in the East. So one pitcher that might be able to help them if we see him come up in the near future is Alec Manoa. He's playing in AAA with the Buffalo Bisons. Uh, so he's had three starts, 18 innings pitched. He's got a 0.5 ERA, 27 strikeouts, three walks. He's only given up one earned run, which was off a home run in his last start. He's holding the opposition batting average to a 119. Pretty fucking good. Now, yes, it's against AAA batters, but pretty fucking good. Well, if you check out his spring uh, stats and everything like that, he was dominating guys here in spring. Now, it's preseason. Doesn't always mean that they're going to translate well into the into the the actual regular season, but I'm excited to see him. Well, when do you bring him? Do you bring him soon? Do you bring him now? Because you need you need the people you need the pitchers that sit there that that can at least help close games. I mean, what, what do you do? Well, I, I mean, I would think they're keeping him stretched out and keep him as a starter at this point. Um, yeah. But do they wait for an injury before they bring him up? Or do you maybe go with a six-man rotation? Or do you just drop a guy uh, for now from that rotation and put him in? Or is it just a sit and wait? And do they want him to have five or eight starts with this kind of production before they bring him up? I don't know. It's kind of up in the air. What do you guys think? Yeah. Like, I – I'm a big proponent of not bringing a guy up until he's ready. The mental aspect of the game is such a huge piece. You don't want to bring a guy up before he's really ready and have him. And not have confidence afterwards. Right. And he gets lit up and then he fucking, his confidence is struck for maybe the rest of his career. He's playing great in AAA and maybe the time is down to bring him up. I don't know, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't rely on the situation with the Jays as to when to bring the guy up. I would rely on the development of the player. Once the player is ready to come up, that's when you bring them up, regardless of what the Jays' needs are or where they're at. And I don't, I don't know when that is. Maybe that's soon. Maybe it's towards the end of this year. Maybe it's not at all this year. I don't really know. Uh, hopefully the Jays have guys that are – well in the know and can keep an eye on that kind of thing and know when the right time to bring the guy up is, but that's what I would do. I would leave it entirely up to when the player is ready to come up. I totally agree. What if we have three injuries, then what do you do? Three starting pitcher injuries. I mean, obviously these are, you know, you have no choice, right? You have no choice at that point. I mean, you have no choice at that point. Unless let's just see what this guy can do. Unless you had a guy, an older guy down there in AAA that you could bring up that has been in the show before, I could see maybe you do that based on what Peter's saying is to give Manoa a little bit more uh, time down in in the minors to to hone his skills a little more. Uh, I guess maybe for the Jays too, you got a guy like Chapman who you could, I guess, theoretically uh, stretch out, or maybe you could he could be your starter. And then you just go, you know, for three or four innings type thing. And then you just roll with the bullpen, but it'll be interesting to see what they do. Just I'm, I'm a big proponent of putting guy, young guys in, get that experience. Yeah. yeah. They might shit the bed and I understand the whole confidence thing and everything like that. But the great thing about MLB is that they have so many tiers and levels. They can drop them down and build that confidence back up. So right. 
you you can easily do that. And there's been a lot of guys, young young players, come into the MLB and just dominate. Now, at the pitcher stand or starting pitcher standpoint, there hasn't been many. The only one that I can think of is Ian Anderson from last year coming up and just wiping the floor against the Dodgers. And I can't remember the other guy, but he had like a scoreless streak and quality innings pitched three in a row. And it was, it was pretty impressive, but do I think Alec Manoa is going to do that? No, I do not. But I think you got to get him used to what actual or professional MLB bat, uh, batters can, can do to you. And then take that experience, go back down to triple a and use it against the hitters down there. Cause he's obviously I dom- totally agree with you too, Jess. For sure. He's obviously dominating the hitters down there, but he needs more competition. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's a, they, they give him a shot. Let, let's see what he can do. Didn't you just agree with Peter? And, 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 <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it's both the same ways too, though. Yes, Peter. Yes, and Jesse. I mean, let, let's give this guy a shot, and let's see what he can do. If he can't, but then it, they, 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 we can put him back down and give him a good good go. But, it's it's I mean, two different takes, though. Like, I – I wouldn't bring him up just for the sake of bringing him up until they feel that he is ready for the bigs. Well, here's the other thing, Peter, like you said, like our, our starting pitching hasn't been that bad. It's been our bullpen issues. Right. And because we've had a lot of injuries there that that's why those issues are coming up. So give him a look. Do we need him up here? No. But do I like to see young talent and see if they can translate what they do in the triple a to the MLB? Of course, that was what the most, that's how the the uh, the Jays were so exciting in the last couple of years was because we saw, got to see all this young talent come up, and that was the only reason I watched them was because they were bringing up this young talent. Yeah, and if he's ready, by all means, but until until the development staff really feels that he's ready to come up and play a, a strong game, I wouldn't bring him up. Well, by looking at his stats, I, I'd give him a little good bit of. He looks great. Give him a show. Give him a shot. Like, like, give him a shot at least once. You see, like, like you said, between like, yes, okay, granted, Peter, Jesse, let's meet you in the middle. Let's give him a go. Let's let's see what he can do. But there's more. There's more to a player's development than just he's lighting it up in AAA. Absolutely, he he might only have a couple pitches that can dominate against these guys in AAA. But when right. it comes to majors, you need to have more than two pitches. Right. So, and I, I don't know, I'm not close enough to it to know if he's, if he's really got the sort of full complement of pitches yet or not. I don't, I don't know. That's, I leave it up to the team's development staff to know when the guy is ready to bring up. And I wouldn't bring him up based on team circumstances until he is ready. Well, someone that has been back in the NFL and I still don't think he's ready, nor <laughs> a lot of people. Is Mr. Tim Tebow, which we discussed last week, does sign with Jacksonville for the one year as a tight end. There's the vet minimum, I believe, 920K. So, And then less than 24 hours ago, when he signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars as a tight end, Tebow's number 85 Jacksonville Jaguar jersey was the best-selling jersey on NFL shop for men's, women's, and youth sizes. That's crazy. Why? I mean, what is with this guy? I mean, is it, what? what is it? This guy can be a frigging cult leader, man. Like, I swear <laughs> it to seems God. like it. Wherever, wherever he goes, he he has these fans, and like we all know, he's he's with Jesus and everything like that, and that's what he's got a lot of religious groups with him and everything like that. So it's crazy how they all just go towards that, right? They want to represent 
someone that likes their values as much as 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 Tebow does. I get it then. Yeah. But that's why I'm saying he could be a cult leader <laughs> at that point. Like he was even dismissed as Denver Broncos in 2010 and signed with the Jets, and he still was a top selling jersey at that time. It's unreal. Only in America. And so he never even made it to the majors. And the Mets made a jersey for him just to sell it. And it became one of the top selling jerseys for the MLB. <laughs> he never even made it to the majors. Yeah, maybe it is a cult following type thing like you're talking about. Like, that's wild. Yeah, you just can't think of not the Tebow power that he has. Like, when was the last time he was actually good? Like, back in college? That was the. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm serious. Yeah. Like, Florida. <laughs> And speaking of that, Florida, he had the top jersey selling there. At least that one, you could actually argue that that's a real, you know, because he was actually pretty good in college, right? But the rest, I don't know. He was really good in college, yeah. He has a playoff win in NFL, too. Who was it against? The fucking Bears? (laughs) That's impossible, man. Unless I had the Super Bowl. (laughs) No, it was against the Steelers. Wow, that's actually a pretty uh, pretty good win, then. Yeah. It was pretty embarrassing for Pittsburgh, I think. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's wild that like he is one of the few people to ever have five different uniforms being top sellers at an NFL shop. So does he do anything? Is he going to be the number one tight end in Jacksonville this year? And will he do anything? No. I hope he gets fucked up. I hope he gets crushed. I hope he gets destroyed. <laughs> Why? I don't know. Just you know, I just that's me. That's I'm sorry, guys. It's just me. That's, that's... Okay, you just you're just not you're not a Tebow fan. No, I'm not a Tebow. You, you don't believe in the power of Tebow. I'm kind of with you, Kev. I'd like to see him get lit up. Yeah, man. And I I don't think he does anything. He might have a few receptions, maybe a touchdown or two, but fucking if he does, he's lucky. No, I I think uh, what you said last week, Peter. He's gonna be a gadget guy. Yeah. Just to throw it like a end around, and he might throw it or he might run it, and a little bit what the Saints had with uh, Breeze and. Um... Uh, I don't want to say the name because you guys will fucking Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but he was an he was actual quarterback. Yeah, Taysom was, yeah. He's he's actually signed as as a quarterback too. So like it and he's this guy's signed as a tight end. But I, I think it's just Urban Meyer just trying to give him the guy some help. He believes in him a little bit, but I it's ridiculous to, that he thinks that he can play tight end. But we'll see. Who knows? Maybe he's a fucking second coming of fucking the great tight end, but I doubt it. We'll see. Ha- have we ever seen him catch a ball? That that's what I'm worried about is his hands. Like I don't know how good his hands are. Or block someone. I mean <laughs> block someone. I don't think he caught too many balls with the Mets or with the Mets farm team. So how is he gonna catch a fucking football? <laughs> Do we know where he played in the Mets? It's uh, a farm system? Because I I I don't know where he the actual position that he played. It wasn't pitcher, I know that. It was outfield. No, he was an outfielder. I think he played right field actually. Like I said, I don't think he made too many fucking catches out there. Like I remember seeing a couple gaffs by him out, and they were showing like bloopers, and it was like, "Are you kidding me?" Like I could have made that catch. <laughs> if you don't have that depth deception, I mean, I don't know, I don't know, because I mean, baseball to a catching a football is kind of somewhat the same kind of feeling, kind of right, wouldn't it? It's a little different, though, man. For I'm I'm with you for like tracking the ball and going to the right place. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yes, thank you, Peter. But yeah, tracking the ball. I mean, if you can't track a baseball, I mean, and a football is a little bit bigger. I think it's easier easier to track a, a football than it is a baseball. For sure, because it, yeah, it's it's a bigger ball. It's dark. It contrasts. It's, it's you can't. It doesn't go. It doesn't go through the air as fast either. So yeah, and it's it's supposed to be going where you're expecting. Well, 
Yeah. Good, good point. <laughs> <laughs> but in baseball, you have mounds and mounds of time to get under the ball. Right. right? It gets way, yeah, it gets way more air. If it's, fl- if it's a fly ball, but like if it's, right. if it actually is a line drive, it's way harder to judge where it is. Yeah. Right. For sure. Well, some of the gaps that I saw were on fly balls. <laughs> like, camped under and be like, this is an easy one, boys, and he missed it. So, but it's okay. He just got to run his road, and it's the quarterback's job to get the ball in the right place. Fair enough. <laughs> and then he's got to catch it with the stone hands that he might have. Maybe, maybe he's got fucking magnificent hands. Who the fuck knows? We don't know. He'll definitely be praying for it. That's for sure. And there you go. I just want to see the Sally after he scores. Oh, it's definitely going to be a Tebow. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, wait, you're saying that he is going to score? Oh, man. No, 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 no. Let's, 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 let's set the record clean here. I'm just saying if in a weird reality, he possibly scores a touchdown. He's definitely going to Tebow. Oh, he's definitely going to Tebow. If, if he does, dude, I'm going to Tebow with him, and I'll have someone take a picture of it. So, Pete, this signing this signing could actually uh, help your – I think it was our number one hot take, our very first one. If he shits the bed, that's going to help your hot take of, of uh, Urban Meyer not being a 500 coach in the NFL. It could really help you. <laughs> yeah, 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 it could. Peter has ulter- ulterior motives here. <laughs> yeah. Of, of shitting on Tebow. Yeah, hopefully they try and force all kind of trick plays through him and he turns it over <laughs> and gets some pick sixes and fumbles and shit. Well, wouldn't that be nice to do like a little bit more of a flea flicker kind of a deal then? Well, he would be a running back at that point. No, I, I didn't say like, you know, like a kind of a deal. I mean, I, I could see him throwing a ball here and over there. Yeah, right into the fucking defense's hands. Well, I'm pretty sure I think it was uh, Rob Ninkovich, and he said he's going to light him up, or he would light him up given the opportunity. So it'll be interesting to see what some of these defensive players think about this and what they are uh, planning or hoping to do to him. I definitely want to see it. I definitely want to see him get lit up. That is for sure. If they run a trick play and he's throwing a pass, the defense will have like 10 seconds as he's throwing the ball. <laughs> well, he's got to start from his like knees, right? Like He's got to load up. <laughs> <laughs> anyways we're gonna move on and ryan kerrigan was signed by the philadelphia eagles <clears throat> the rival of the uh, washington football team to a one-year deal up to 3.5 million ryan kerrigan was the the all-time sack leader for washington so hopefully the eagles get the same kind of magic i kind of doubt it but they got a pretty good line so maybe he might be able to do something and help them out and who knows how good that NFC East is going to be, but Philly's trying to get some pass rush in there. I'm actually a little surprised about this from a Washington standpoint. Ryan Kerrigan is still a pretty good, pretty good player. And for three and a half million bucks, I feel like you could have paid him and he, he could still be on the field for you. But evidently they feel like the guys that they have uh, behind him are just as good or better. So they have a really good defense there. They've been drafting defense there for a long time. And Kerrigan has been there for, when Washington was horror awful for a long time. So he was the only good player. And now that D line is just like set with all these young players and e- Eagles like to sign these old veterans and everything like that to see if they can still get some, anything out of them. And 3.5, like you, Yeah. And 3.5 million, like you said, is nothing for them. Right. That's why I figured maybe they would make a stretch, but I guess if they feel they've got, you know, two or three other guys that can fill his role, then 
guess you might as well move him on. So I think Kerrigan might start in Philly. I don't know if he would start in Washington. Fair enough. Which which is better for Kerrigan, right? To move on than to be a starter. Exactly. To get more tape and because I think it's up to three point five million too. So like he's got to earn it up to that. So by getting, I obviously pressures and sacks and yeah. and tackles for loss. But one of these crazy theories that. Mr. Patty Mahomes wants to do is put uh, microchips in the ball. This is to allow uh, the goal line to be able to track the ball there to see if it goes across the goal line. But there's a lot of issues here because one, you got to make sure the ball is still in possession of the running back or receiver or whatever. Cause like the, the, apparently the chip is supposed to go off when it crosses that goal line. Cause you put the, as like a sensor at both sides. And whenever it crosses that threshold, it'll beep or whatever, and then they'll know that it has crossed the goal line. But you still got to make sure that the guy's knee isn't down or elbow or if he's fumbled it. The idea behind this is is kind of out there from, from my, my perspective. I think they need to get, get a, a sky judge. Like, you know, those sky cameras and everything like that. Yep. I think those would be more suited for the goal line stances. This is strange to me to put a, a microchip in there. See, I like it. Uh, like, it, if as long as the technology actually works, which is important in that question, as long as it actually works, I I think it just adds one more piece to being able to make the right call on the field. I agree. Like, you still, like you said, you got to make sure that the guy has possession, that his knee's not down before he crosses the plane, whatever. But you have to do that all now anyway. Yeah, and now you don't have to worry about if it goes, judging whether it goes past the line. Yeah, yeah this just... This just and they probably have like it's probably time sensitive, so they probably know exactly when the ball crosses the line now. And like maybe in a in a big scrum that'll help make the right call if someone actually scored a touchdown or not before they were down. Right, but in a big scrum, you still got to figure out if his knees down or elbows down, if he's fumbled if he's fumbled the ball or anything like that. So there's just so many issues with this. The the one issue that I, I think that can be resolved are like those goal line passes that everyone argues did the ball cross the line when it's in the air and they catch it right at that line and then go down but outside the goal line. I think it'd be super handy there. Yeah, and like the things you're again the things you're mentioning, you have to you have to do all that now anyway. You have to make the call and see if the guy's down or if his if he's fumbled the ball or whatever. You got to do all that now. This is just one more added piece of clarity to make the right call to see if the ball actually crossed the plane or not and when it happened. Yeah, it's just one less thing that the guys back in New York or wherever the hell they do the video replay have to judge, right? Okay, the, the sensor went off. He definitely went over, so we don't have to worry about that. It's whether his foot was, or sorry, his knee or elbow or whatever was down, does he have possession? At least you're only judging, you know, three or four other instances, except, you know, I don't have to worry about that ball crossing because you know it did after, you know, as it beep, beep, beeped or whatever. Right. As long as the technology actually works. That's the thing too, is with it working is, Footballs tend to take quite the beating, especially on like fumbles and being hit by other players and everything like that. So you got to make sure that chip is going to work in the football as well, because you're going to be spending money on it. And to protect the chip too, you're going to be spending a bunch of money on it too. So football, NFL footballs are probably going to get quite expensive if they do this. Yeah, whatever. That's nothing for the NFL. They got lots of money. They do have lots Couldn't of money. Couldn't they try it down in the uh, farm team? Like not farm, farm teams, team, but I mean, well, like put it into the... Um, College ball. Try it out first. But it's not like that, though, man. The college ball is a completely separate entity compared to 
NFL. It's not like it's not like MLB and and AAA. Like they have nothing to do with each other. So other than the draft, <laughs> but they do practice a lot of rules within NCAA right. before bringing them up to the NFL. But with this, you're also asking the like I said with the money, you're asking NCAA to right. foot the bill here to try and get this get the NFL to fit the bill for them. I mean, you—they're the one that's trying to, you know, figure it out. The NFL doesn't pay for shit, man. Like, like well, cities have to pay for their their stadiums and stuff like that. Like, they hold them hostage. Like, that's how they make—they get such a huge gross margin, right? Yeah, and and like NCAA would need a lot of balls. Yeah, like there is a ton of football that happens Good in point. NCAA. Good point. Yeah, like that's that's not a to Jesse's earlier point. Like that's that's not just a rounding error to get chips installed into every ball that's going to be used in an NCAA game, which is probably several balls a game. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if they want to try it and test it and see if it works, then why wouldn't you try it there first before they actually do it in the actual NFL? Yeah. Like maybe you do a trial in just one conference or something to minimize that, but. Maybe you try it in the NFL and you just don't actually uh, use it, but you put the chips in and see if they work or not. Maybe you do it in preseason. Yeah, maybe in preseason. Yeah, as you say, preseason would probably be the best. Anyways, we're going to move on to Kevin's Falcons. They're getting rid of their best player. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. Thanks, bud. You must have a shirt. You must have a shirt. <laughs> Thanks, bud. I'm never getting anything from Atlanta from Yoshi ever again. It's funny because it's not Julio doesn't care if he stays or not. He's fine with staying, but it's the Falcons that want to shed the cap, which is huge. Uh, He's a huge hit on their cap and everything like that. Uh, Teams interested Ravens, 49ers, Patriots, Colts, Chargers, and Titans. He's going to do it. He's going to do what Crumpler did, man. He's going to go to the fucking Titans. Because once I got the the jersey from my from my wife and Josh, it was a crumpler jersey. And when I got it, I shit you not, man, the fucker went to Tennessee. I mean, why wouldn't you go to the Titans? But I think he finished off with New England, though. Just saying. Well, King Henry wants Julio to come by, and he tweeted, "Tighten the fuck up." But Titans don't have any cap space, so they're gonna have to definitely release some people or restructure a bunch of contracts. Mr. Brown, A.J. Brown, would even give him his number 11 jersey. Wow. Yeah, he, they want him to come there, but they got to find the space as well. And it's going to be tough for the Titans to do that because they are like in the top 10 in cap space or non-cap space availability. It'd be a pretty potent offense, though, if they fucking out of that guy. Oh, man, I just don't want to see Julio leave. That's all. I mean, I, I know it's like, fuck me, man. If I was Julio, I'd definitely want out too. I want to win. I definitely want to win, and and I don't see me winning with Atlanta. So give me a team that I can. I mean, if it's a Titans, so be it. If it's whoever, so be it. I mean, I I, I just want to win. Well, I think the Titans are going to take a step back this year, but that's just me. I think going to the Patriots makes a lot more sense. They got the cap space. Andy Julio wants to play with Cam, however long Cam is going to be in the lineup because they still got Mac Jones in there. They drafted Mac Jones, so who knows how long Cam will be in there. He's got to actually do something this year. I don't even think he got 10 passing touchdowns last year. So like Julio would be kind of stagnant there. If Julio goes to like the New England, I'm sorry, Yoshi, I will burn that fucking Jersey. That shirt you got me. I will burn the motherfucker and I will record it. If he goes to the fucking New England, I shit you not. Well, according to what you just said, Kev, he wants to go win. I can't see him winning anything in New England. So they're just, I just don't feel that they're a good enough overall ball team to win anything in the next two years. 
So I, if he wants to win and if that's his old, his sole reason of, of potentially wanting to leave. That's Kevin's. I, I don't think he wants to. I think he wants to, I think he's fine with staying with the Falcons because he's done it for the last couple of years. Fair enough. I just, I just don't see him going to a team that is mediocre at best. He's going to go to a superstar team to win if he's going anywhere. Does he have any choice though? Isn't he being traded? Like he's not a free agent or is he? No, he's, he's being no. traded, but like, Usually you want to help out the player to begin with too, but this is all about cutting cap because he's, I, I can't get a gauge on exactly how much he is, but towards the Falcons, he's like 21 million this year. But if he gets traded after June 1st to the team, whether it be the Ravens, 49ers, Patriots, Colts, Chargers, or Titans, it'll be go down to like 15 million. Yeah. But like, does the, does the player have any, like in the NHL, you got some like no trade clauses where a player can say, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not accepting this trade. Try again. Does that exist in the NFL, or is, can he be? Yeah, it does. You can. It does exist, but he doesn't have a no trade trade clause. But okay, so he could go fucking anywhere. Yeah. Not up to but him. Players can always throw their weight around. That's what happened with the uh, Keeb Talib coming to the Rams. I forget where they. I think they wanted to go to trade him to. I can't remember, but he said no, and he gave him the option of new back to New England from Denver the Rams and then I forget the other team. And so they've, they got the Rams to pick him up. But how did he do that? Did he just say he's not going to play for the new team? Pretty well. I, I don't know, man. He threw his weight around. There's an actual, like, I think during the draft, I saw it of him saying that, yeah, I threw my, someone told me to throw my weight around and I did. And I got my way. That's what I call putting the big dick on the table. <laughs> exactly. Calling <laughs> your bluff. Yeah. So the other big uh, connection here is also the 49ers, which I do not want him going there at all because Kyle Shanahan, I think is a great coach, but he also said back in 2018 that he would do whatever it took if the opportunity arise to get Jones and San Fran has the cap space to be able to do it. The problem is they don't have the draft capital to trade away because they traded up to the third overall pick this year to get Trey Lance and they only have a couple second round picks and everything like that. And I heard that uh, Julio's going for a first round pick and the San Fran team needs some proven receivers because they got like Debo Samuel, Brian and Uke, And I don't know, even know the other guys like they're, they need receivers badly, but their receivers too often get injured because they're like little running backs back there too. And as much as Julio has been hurt as of lately, like I think he would still prove to be a pretty good receiver in that core. Has Shanahan come out and said that he's interested now? Because there's there's a significant difference between, uh, like, he's 32 now, I think, Jones, yep. right? Yep. There's, there's a big difference between a 29-year-old receiver and a 32-year-old receiver. It's experience. You're at the point where you're going downhill at that, at that age. Mm-mm. Yeah, but he's still a really good receiver. He still commands a lot of attention. Like, we'll see, like, Jones gets traded. Calvin Ridley will be the number one receiver there in Atlanta. And we'll see how good he, he's going to be because he's been tearing up because Jones has been taking all the coverage away from him, right? Like Ridley's really good, but we'll see how good he is afterwards. I would say, I would, I would say Gage is your next number no, one. Not a chance. No way. Are you crazy? Ridley was lighting it up, man. You know I mean, sometimes I say some stupid shit and it actually comes like for sure. I think Gage is your number one if Julio leaves. Ridley was tearing it up when Julio was hurt in the first few games of the season. And, and then obviously he did even better when he came back. Like Jess said, he was, uh, Julio's going to command a lot of defenses to double team him and whatnot. But he's, you know, when he was, when Julio was out, he still played awesome. Ridley did. And 
he's definitely he could be even be your number one this year, even over Julio. That's possible. Uh, who knows? Pete, take this down, man, because this is a hot take. Because I'm definitely telling you, if, if Julio goes, Gage is your number one. Okay, so just before we move off of the Falcons here, so Kev, you don't like it apparently when I buy you uh, gifts that have jerseys and so on and so forth because uh, that player ends up leaving. So unfortunately for you, I did get you one more thing. I got you a fucking Falcons trash can. So hopefully they'll get out of the fucking garbage. There you go. <laughs> now, now they'll get rid of all the trash. they get rid of all the trash. There you go. <laughs> oh, buddy, man. If, oh, shit. if I can awesome. drive over to your place right now, I'd give you the world's biggest fucking hug. I'd wrap my leg around uh, you, Mike. Hopefully oh, they get rid of all their garbage, man. There, there you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yosh i fucking love you bro <laughs> oh shit so as you were saying peter i think he's still gonna be a decent receiver yeah he's gonna have a couple years off of him but i still think he's gonna produce pretty good numbers and everything like that just look at uh i guess antonio brown's about the same age but i still think receivers last a little bit longer so 32 for a receiver is getting there but I think he can do pretty good. Yeah. I'm not saying he's an instant dud, but he's at the point where he's going to start declining, right? For sure. He's still a number one on 75% of NFL teams. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. At, at least 75%. He's, he's just been getting injured a lot more, but he's also played through a lot of injuries too. And he's played well through those injuries. So it's he's going to be interesting to see where he lands and what's going to be given up for him. Because like I honestly couldn't put a number on what he's going to be. I just know Atlanta wants a first-round pick on him. At least one, but I don't think you're gonna get more than one. What's his uh, what's his contract status? I think he's got three years left, but I think it like goes down dramatically. Like he's like I think like like I said, if he gets traded after June first, it's fifteen million. Then it goes drops down to like eleven million, and then it drops down again. I can't remember the last one. So he becomes very affordable. Yeah, because like the top receivers are being paid sixteen million a year. Yeah, and the thing is, I think his his there's not a huge dead cap after this year if you cut him. Well, at least now I got a trash can. If he fucking goes to New England, <laughs> you can burn your fucking shirt in it. It's be great. That's right. <laughs> it is a steel garbage can. It will be That'd fine. Be perfect. <laughs> so he makes 15 million base salary this year, 11.5 over the next two years. That's base. So that includes signing bonuses, options, all that crap. Uh, and so his dead cap hit this year. It says $40 million. But I think Atlanta eats a lot of that, even if they trade. Right. Yeah. So that's the dead cap. The the actual cap hit is 23 million. And then the next couple of years are the same, uh, at least for cap hit at 19.2 million. The dead cap in 2022 is 17.5. And in 2023, the dead cap would only be 7.75 million. That's according to sporttrack.com, by the way, not just off the top of my fucking head. Shout out. Spinning out those numbers. (laughs) (laughs) yeah just randomly right either way this guy is going to help somebody whether it be the falcons or any of those teams you listed or you know maybe even a team like chicago if they uh, titans Titans. i I also saw something today he was where julio was wearing a dallas cowboys jersey shut up like like not not sorry not a jersey but a, 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 a sweater irvin tweeted out and with a bunch of trophies and it being on fire and everything like that. Like he's pumped for it, but like that, that team is already stacked at wide receiver. They don't need anymore. Yeah, exactly. Like 
You're going to have to bench some guys there to put Julio. I in. will stick my fingers down my throat if he goes to Dallas. How is that? So, so you'll puke on it and then burn it? Yeah. What, what's worse, Kev? <laughs> Dallas or New England? <laughs> the right answer is New England, by the way. Yes, no, it would be New England. It would, it would definitely be New England. But if you went to Dallas, I would puke on it, then burn it in that trash can you got me. Thanks, bud. <laughs> Our hockey world Canadian team hasn't doing so well. They're 0-2. With losing to La Lafia and the U.S., I can see the U.S. But Lafia, come on! Their next game is up against Germany, which is also two and zero in the tournament so far. Can we hope that they can beat them? A eh? oh, yeah, they got to beat Germany. Like Latvia, they they lost to Latvia, but Latvia is the home team. They're they're playing. They have a lot of emotional connection. I guess they're winning here. They got to beat Germany. No man, they gotta. I mean, Josh looked up in regards to who they actually beaten. And, I mean, Germany's definitely got to go down against Team Canada. Uh, I can't see them going 0-3 in the fucking tournament. Who's on the team, by the way, that I might have heard of? I don't know. It's just a bunch of non-people that, you know, didn't make the playoffs. Care too much about this because the NHL playoffs are still going on. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, this is just like the guys who can't win are just over there to sit there and try and to pretend that they can still play kind of deal. But... They should step. They'd be doing a lot better. Thing is, for Canadians that aren't going over there, they're like, well, we can't even do anything over there because mm. it's COVID, right? So, like, I'll just stay here and enjoy some friends yeah. around here instead of going out to places in Lafayette. Because my my brother lived there for a bit, and it was uh, they got some nice places there. So it, it is a nice country to go to and and check but out. And, yeah. But if you can't do any of that stuff, why why bother? If Edmonton does get swept. Do you think Connor's going to go over? No. No. No, he's going to fucking, he's going to go sit in his fucking marble mansion and think about if he wants to play for Edmonton anymore. Yep. <laughs> right. <laughs> that could be a possibility too, but I, I don't see any of the, the first round knockouts going over the play. I really don't. Some might. Yeah. But are they going to be those marquee players though? Probably not. So I don't see anything happening with regards to Team Canada, but they definitely got to beat Germany, eh? Pete, do you remember when we went to the World Juniors, uh, remember the Latvian goalie stood on his fucking head in one of the games that we went to? And, like, I mean, obviously nobody really in the crowd. I mean, there was some people, but not too many people in the crowd were were cheering for Latvia. But all the Canadian fans that were there and most people there started fucking chanting this guy's name. Do you remember what his name was, that that goalie? Negative. I'm just looking at the – current roster for uh, for this championship for Latvia. Could it be and them? Could it, could it be him? I'm look that's what I'm wondering, right? But it, I don't think it is. It, the goalies names here are Punanovos, no, and Kalinas, but yeah, I don't think it was it was one of him, but I just remember that uh that that night and he just stood on his fucking head. It was something like 50 or 60 shots and he let in one goal or something to that effect and the guy was amazing and everybody was just chanting his name whatever it was. It was it was pretty cool. I would probably be still chanting his name if that was the case. I mean, it, it's good to see a great game. It was cool, man. He he acknowledged everybody like he he realized that it's kind of a once in a lifetime thing to be in Canada and having a bunch of Canadian fans chanting his name. And I think everybody was kind of rooting for Latvia yeah. at that game. They might have been playing Russia. For some reason, I think they are playing Russia. And that's why everybody was loving Latvia. Anyway, I just thought maybe, maybe it was a chance that he's the goalie for this world championship team, but it doesn't look like it. Now, going on to our WNBA, which I brought up, I think, last week in regards to how much knowledge I have of the WNBA. And I think I brought up two players that were involved. 
and I won was the Sabrina Lemescu, along with Kia Nurse, which Lemescu pushed out of this team that she's on the New York Liberty because this lady is a female. I mean, she's like right up with, with I would say, with regards to Kobe because Kobe kind of trained her. Sabrina Lemescu, unbelievable player. First ever to do a triple-double in her career. Also first triple-double in New York Liberty history. Ninth triple-double in WA regular season history. This this lady is unbelievable. I mean, I, the, she is like the next top player ever that you're ever going to see come across in the WNBA. No woman ever played the record of the triple-double in the first 50 games in the league. That's her, like, what, sixth? game so far she did it in her sixth game yeah yeah so i can honestly see why nurse wanted out of the new york liberty and go to uh, i think it was at uh, the suns i think she went to i mean you had to make room nurse had to leave because her rescue was going to take her out of her spot anyways of being a forward so but it's good to see this lady sitting there and move on i mean i, I think this is going to be the best person in the WNBA that you're never going to have ever, ever put that on your fucking note there too. Like ever. Wow. I mean, she was the first pick overall last year, so she's definitely has the potential, but that's, uh, we weren't able able to confirm this ever (laughs) for her to be trained by Colby. I mean, this this lady's just going to be like, do you think come, you're going to hear more about this, this Sabrina I'm telling you. So you're just saying she's going to be the goat of the WNBA for sure. For sure. That's a tough one, man. I mean, the only way, like I said, just the only way we'll be able to figure that out is to keep this show going for uh, the next 15 years and and if see if she makes the Hall of Fame. Because if she doesn't, then she's not the best of all time. So that would really be the only way. If she makes it, then we, then you got to start comparing stats and stuff. So that's definitely be a, a hard, hot take to uh, to justify either way. She's been pretty uh, pretty solid and just amazing. I mean, just amazing. From what I watched from her, you know, college and then into her brief bit of uh, the WNBA with along with the Kia nurse. I mean, I think I think nurse had a little bit to do with her little bit of a acceleration as well. But so let's go on to our uh, penalty boxes here. So, Jess, it looks like we are going to start off with you, sir. Who do you got in your box? I got the MLB review. There's been some questionable calls this year by the MLB when they review the calls on the field. And I got another one this week that kind of was kind of funny too, but just what happened, but it was still an incorrect call on my part. So what happened was here, Matt Chapman slid into second and Eldon Simmons tagged him through the, through the legs and he was called out. Now they went to video review on this and it was very questionable that he even had it because his hand slid underneath and the way that, Simmons was tagged was like through the legs, but his, the guy sat on the guy's hand. So there's no way that he could touch it. And then he went with the other hand to touch the base, but he was completely blocking off the base pad to Chapman. It was questionable to my, to my knowledge. I I didn't, I didn't think that he deserved to be called out. They ruled, they called him out on the field and they said that there was no evidence to overturn it. But to me, it looked like there was no tag. So the MLB review is in my box for that reason. I don't know if you guys have checked out the video at all. But it didn't look like Simmons tagged him at all. Can you conclusively say that he didn't tag him? I suppose not. But there's been and, so many. And they made the right call? I Well, like, sorry. I think that he didn't. But 
there's arguments all across across it that it's all opinionated, right? Because like if you you gotta take a bunch of different views all at the same time. But if you see his his right hand slide in, Simmons sits on his hand, so there's no way that he can tag it. And he tried to do it like through his legs, like and then he slid with his left hand to touch the base. His hand started coming up to try and get him on the shoulder, and the hand was definitely there before he hit him on the shoulder. Yeah, but I I think like the in all sports you have to have conclusive evidence to overturn the call on the field or the ice or the whatever. Well, there was one earlier this year with Alec Baum going home, and it showed on the review that he never touched home plate, and they reviewed it, and they still called him safe at home, and it was a walk off mm-hmm. at that point. That was a really bad call because he didn't even come close yeah. to it. And this one was like it was pro- it was definitely closer, but yeah, I get what you're saying, Peter. Like you're saying there wasn't enough evidence to overturn it, but I think there was enough evidence that he didn't tag the guy. There was no possible way they could do it through the legs. And by the time he goes to tag him yeah, on the shoulder, but... his hands on the base already. Plus, he he blocked the base pretty badly too. Yeah. But so you should be sure to overturn it. You should be sure that he did not tag him. I, and I'm saying that I don't think he tagged him. Yeah, but you're not sure that he didn't tag him. No, I'm saying he didn't tag him. No, you're saying you think he didn't tag him. <laughs> what, are you, like, you are my own opinion now? You get your turn to take over that? No, I'm saying I'm saying that he didn't fucking tag him. Are you sure he didn't tag him? Like certain? 100%? I'm, sh- cert, I'm certain he didn't tag yeah, him. Well, then maybe it should have been over. But if you just think he didn't tag him, then it probably should have stuck. Colin Field. Anyway. Kev, who's in your penalty box? Well, 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 let me tell you about fucking Kadri and the goddamn fucking playoffs. This guy, unbelievable. He's at it again. He didn't just do it with Toronto twice. Not once, but twice. Both with Boston. Uh, the, uh, the cross check over the head of Jake DeBrusque. He had that coming. Well, come on. I mean, it, yeah, I'm, I'm just... Bar- Barlow got yeah, a good hit. I would say it's still a good hit. Thank God the, the, the glass is now formed because of Chara. Stanchion, but I mean, yeah, but I mean, it was a good hit. It wasn't. It wasn't a bad hit. But for Kadri to come out there and cross check Buddy over the fucking face, it was not right. He got the remainder of that playoffs, which didn't play out because he was Boston beat Toronto. By the way, that's the only suspension I can ever think of that wasn't actually a set number of games. It was the rest of that series. That's the only time I ever remember that happening. Yeah. Then he does it again. In the second uh, time that they replayed uh, Boston with a boarding hit on uh, Tommy Wiggins or Wiggles. Did you remember that one? He basically kind of fucking drove his knee into the boards. Yeah, I thought it was the other way around, actually. I thought that happened before the DeBrusque thing, but I could be wrong. Anyway, it doesn't matter. He got three games for that one. Now with Colorado, this dumb dumb goes off and fucking just labels Justin Folk. I get the games a bit faster in the playoffs. I get that, you know, speed and momentum is a big thing. But to put your shoulder in some fucking buddy's head, like what is going through your mind, dude? Do you you think they're not going to review this call? Do you not think that they're going to take a look at that? It just blows my mind of what this guy does in regards to the playoffs hockey. Yeah. I think the eight games is good. I don't think that he should even appeal any of it because by the time the appeal goes through, his eight games is already done. I mean, it's just mind-boggling what this guy's going, like what goes through his head. It just frustrates me to high heaven. This guy's a great player. He doesn't need to do this shit, but all in all, he does, and that's why he's in my box. Yeah, 
Like he's and this is exactly why the Leafs got rid of him. Like these he's a very good player. He's a fantastic third center and a good option second center on all, probably most teams in the league. But you just can't rely on him in the playoffs, it seems. Because he's He's an idiot. He's a goof. Yeah, he lacks the, the discipline you need to to stay in the series. That, that, that they said too though, if um if Colorado did move on, that the suspension would go into the regular season. Yeah, but who cares at that yeah, point? But I got Colorado winning the cup. So this this dumb dumb's gotta get his fucking head out of his ass and then, you know, think before you start their doing this lineup of a hit. Like, I just, I don't, again, I just don't know what's going through Buddy's head to sit there going, thinking, I'm going to drive this guy. I'm going to hurt him, put him out of the series. What does that help you, bud? Because now you're out. So, I don't know. Again, and a little bit of a dumb-dumb in the coming of the playoffs. To me, the hit didn't look much different than the McDavid uh, hit earlier in the year where he kind of got up in, guys, in the guy's face Yet Kadri gets eight games, and how many did McDavid get? Pretty sure it was a big fat zero. So now, yeah, because he's a repeat offender. But my initial thought when I first saw it, it didn't actually look like he went for his head. Now, when you slow it down, maybe it does a little. But these guys are calling the game at full speed, so I don't know. To me, it doesn't look as bad as as it ended up being. Like to me, I'm watching it right here, and he doesn't jump up for his head. He's just kind of. Oh, he it's placed, not his fault if he's a little bit taller than the guy. He placed his shoulder right to his fucking melon, man. He definitely did. If he keeps his stick on the ice as he's delivering the hit, he's going to be okay. Yeah. But he, he doesn't. He lifts up his upper body and he gets his own head. Yep. And to their credit, the NHL has actually done a good job of taking hits like this out of the game. Thank God. Honestly, thank God. A decade ago, you would have seen hits like this all the time. Uh, you had guys like Rafi Torres and Matt Cook who were running around headhunting people. And you were seeing... Stevens. Uh, yeah, Stevens a bit longer ago. But so, the credit to the NHL. They've actually done a good job of taking hits like this out of the game by punishing them severely. Because, unrelated but similar, you end up with injuries like, like we saw with Tavares, where when these guys get hit in the head, like this is an extremely fast game. And you get big boys moving at really fast speeds, colliding with each other. If the contact is in the head, it's it does fucking serious damage. Yeah, man. And so so good on the league for getting cleaning up these hits. But yeah, so Kadri, I think this is his fourth suspension and third suspension in the last four playoffs. Yep. And I can't believe he's appealing this one. I honestly don't. I can't understand it. Why would you even appeal it? I mean, you did what you did, and by the time it even goes through the appeal, your eight games is done. So, in his defense, he seems to be the only player that actually gets punished properly by NHL players. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone else seems to get off lighter than they probably should, Uh, but for some reason, they don't like Kadri. Don't know why. You play, if you appeal, you get to play, but in this case it's probably better for him to not appeal, take his eight games so he can still play later on in the Stanley cup final, which is not a far-fetched thing for Colorado. So get his eight games done and over with, you know, for the next series and potentially, I guess the semis, and then he would still be then available for the, for the finals. If he appeals it, he gets to play now, but if they uphold it, then he's fucked for the finals. So he might as well. Are you sure about that? Like, I, I didn't think that was the case. I thought he was out for eight games unless they decide to change that. 
I don't think if he appeals, he can play. But I could be wrong. That's usually how it is. If you can yeah. appeal to anything, you you can continue playing because technically you're not on your suspension, right? Because you're yeah, you're not guilty yet. Yeah. Well, this would be a hard challenge to sit there and say that. Then I mean, I would love to. I would love to sit there and try and challenge you on that, but. It would be hard to sit there and try. I mean, it to just, me, it doesn't look like he went head hunting, man. It doesn't look like he goes head hunting to me. Oh, he lifted his right shoulder right to Buddy's melon. To be honest, when people appeal the the call or whatever it is for any sport, the player loses. Like they're gonna have to d- deal with their suspension. They don't like get it reduced or anything like that, or not even have it. They usually end up serving the suspension later on, like how Josh framed it. I don't think that's how it works in the NHL, though. I could be wrong, but I don't think he's. I don't think he has any opportunity to play the next eight games unless it gets. I have no idea, Peter, but I'm going to challenge you just because we need another challenge this week. <laughs> so I think that they do. He if he appeals, he can play. That's what I think. But I don't know. I don't know how we're going to look that up. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know how we're going to look that up because I mean, it, it, it's that's why I didn't want to do it. I'll try. So while we're going through this trial. Might as well, well, I guess we can't move on to Peter then because he's looking it up. So, Yosh, who do you got in your box, bud? So, in my box this week, I've got a golfer in the PGA Championship, Eric Van Druen. He melted down at the championship. He was a few holes away from making the cut on Friday when things took a turn for the worse. He tees up on the 17th hole at Kiowa Island Golf Resort Ocean Course in uh, Carolina, uh, so he hits the ball. It's a par three that goes over water. Uh, so he hits it, he gets it past, but ends up in the water anyway, all but ensuring that he doesn't make the cut being frustrated that uh, this just happened on the 17th. And he's so close to making the cut. He takes his frustrations out on the T block marker and he decides to basically tee off on it and his club head and the marker end up in the water. He ends up triple bogeying the hole, which again was a par three, which puts him up to plus nine well off the cut. And so there's no possible way he's going to make it at that point. And so he was pissed off. So he, he decided to tee off the, the block, tee block marker into the water. So the next hole on the 18th, as they finish up, obviously the players that are the partners that are playing together, they all shake hands with each other and the caddies and, uh, you know, say congrats, good game, blah, blah, blah. And in this case, the I'm not sure who Van Ruin's partner was, but whoever the caddy was, he decided to snub Van Ruin. So as Van Ruin came in for the final handshake, the caddy who was just about decapitated from, <laughs> from the uh, from the T block marker uh, that that Van Ruin hit. So he spun around and walked away as Van Ruin basically uh, put his hand out to to shake his hand. So <laughs> I thought it was just pretty funny. This guy nails a uh, You're like fuck you, bud. Yeah. So so he nails the T block marker, smashes it all the shit. Is club heads fucked in the water t-block <laughs> markers in the water and uh and then buddy just spins away and says no i don't want to shake your hand you idiot and so van ruins in my box because you get pissed off television and uh he i don't think you should really be hitting the t-block markers so good thing it was uh you know the end of the round and good thing the pga championship and the pga tour has got lots of money and they could uh, replace that t-block <laughs> Go, I was just saying, like, all I read here was that he's appealing the eight-game suspension and trying to get down to six. New Caudry? Yeah, but I'm pretty sure he can't play no matter what. Like, it, it's not it's not an innocent into proven guilty situation. It's a fucking no. 
No, he's got eight until it's a guilty know. because we said so until you appeal and you might get less. Uh, yeah, it says right here in all appeals, the player will remain suspended pending appeal unless the full term of the player's suspension has run. Boom. So there you go. Bang. So hockey's stupid. <laughs> Ho- in, in hockey, in hockey, you are guilty until proven innocent. Correct. That's, That's right. right. Correct. It's a dictatorship, yeah. not a fucking. Just, just like Canada, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I guess we're on to Peter's now in his box then while he was looking that shit up. So my box, I've got Dominic Ducharme, maybe Mark Bergevin, maybe the Montreal Canadiens goal review fucking person. I don't know if that exists. <laughs> Against the, yeah, just the, the challenge in general. Challenge goalie interference on the goal that Sandine scored on the power play. What a shot, too, though, man. I gotta say that. What a what a fucking tee up. It's a beautiful shot. I think it hit 98 miles per hour or something like that. But they challenged for goaltender interference because Thornton had his stick, I'm gonna say close to the goalie as the puck went by. I don't know if he ever actually touched him or not. It's hard to tell from from the angles. They were challenging like, you know, uh, stick on stick to price. He was trying, they were trying to say that he lifted the stick on goalie Price to... Yeah, if you look at Price on the replay, he doesn't even fucking acknowledge that Thornton exists. He doesn't... Like, usually a goalie is a telltale sign if there's goaltender interference there. They love to complain, but he doesn't even fucking glance at Thornton before or after the goal goes nope. in. I don't think he touched him at all. There's a there's a replay of Mark Bergman, the GM, pointing to his big screen up in his press box when he thinks he sees interference, which has turned into a funny meme, by the way, today, of Bergman pointing at a screen and then it gets photoshopped to a bunch of different things. Like I saw one where it's Austin Matthews on the screen and Bergman's saying, where do I get one of those? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I to me, this this is a terrible challenge which cost him a power play which at least didn't score on but still just an absolute brutal challenge there was a hardly any if any at all contact that and definitely none that would be overturnable and this is exactly why there's a penalty for making a challenge on a on a goaltender interference for wasting everyone's fucking time because this is just a maybe the worst goaltender interference call i've seen all season one of the reasons why they said it took so long, I don't know how long it actually took, but it, it was it was quite some time. But they said the reasons why is they had more than just one review going yeah. through in regards That's to That's right. One. There was a challenge in the Minnesota game at the same time, I think, which yeah. led to the delay. Because we were all fucking, I don't know about you guys, if you're watching or not, I was stressed. And I was I saying, was. why the fuck? How can this be taking so <laughs> this long? This is taking so long. How can you not tell <laughs> yeah. that there's no interference here? <laughs> what the fuck is happening? Yeah. If this gets turned yeah. over, that I'm gonna riot. I will, I will, lose I will my personally shit. riot, and so will a lot of other people in the <laughs> yeah. city. Uh, but luckily, they made the right call. It just took a little while. Um, but yeah, so Dom Ducharme, maybe Mark Bergman. I don't know who exactly, but the Montreal Canadiens for that challenge, they're in my penalty box. And didn't Nylander score on that that penalty? No, no they did. Yes, he did. Challenge. Nylander scored on that penalty that they got for challenging that uh, no, play. I'm pretty sure. Nylander got a power play goal on that play. Challenge that shit. I don't think that was the same power play. Yes, it was. Oh, my God. I got you, fucking Pedro. I, I fucking got you like you have no idea. <laughs> I'm so confident. I got you, Pedro. I got you. 
because it was a shot off the crossbar from Matthews that went right off the fucking Nylander. I'm well aware of the goal you're talking about. It was definitely a power play goal. I don't think it was that power play. When was the challenge? What period? I have no idea, but I know goddamn well that Nylander scored on that power play. Oh, fuck, dude. I'm so confident, man. Oh, my God. If I lose this, I'm going to lose my shit. Did you say, okay, Peter, did you say that you get a penalty yeah. if you challenge and it doesn't Correct. come true? Yep. Okay, so what would that what would that penalty be then? Delay of game. Delay of game was in the second period, at the very end of the second period. So it says Jay Anderson. Okay. Delay of game two minutes at 1320. Is that the only delay of game? Yes, sir. That is the only delay of game. Nylander scored at 8.50 in the third period. So you're wrong, Kevin. <laughs> well, well off. No, 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 buddy. That was the goddamn second. Go- no, 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 no. I know I'm right. Nylander scored in the third. Nylander scored at 8.50 in the third period. That was a power play. Yeah. It was a power play, but no, 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 no. that would have been, no, right. that was on a Shea Weber checking, cross-checking penalty. That's no, right. Not, that's what we're talking about. That's a cross yes, check. that is exactly what we're talking about because you're wrong. <laughs> no, 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 no. Nylander scored on that goddamn power play. Nylander scored on a power play when Shea Weber was in the box, not right. Anderson in the check. second period. Right. Wouldn't that been that challenge no because it was for cross-checking it was for cross-checking not for delay a game the delay a game penalty was at the end of the second period 13 minutes and 20 seconds into the third or sorry into the second period i'm looking at it right now like minus one i totally still disagree because nylander scored that that goal you got you gotta find evidence you gotta find evidence but then to, to prove your case okay so that brings us to our points and penalty scores for the day and so before we get into today's scores, we have additional scores to add that we need to make you all aware of. Because we were lucky enough to get out for our first golf round of the season yesterday. Yeah. yeah. And before we kicked it off, we decided that the winner would get two points. And then second would get one, third would get zero, and the loser would get minus one. So we played the round of golf. Peter came out on top by a whopping nine-stroke lead over the next place guy. Now, I have to caveat that, that the leading score by Peter was at 101. So nobody had a great day. (laughs) (laughs) By far. But we had some speller fucking shots, though. We did. did. I had a a pretty good front nine. The back nine was... uh, the inning juice was starting to kick in and uh, do the opposite of its job. And uh, the heat was sitting in and back nine didn't go so hot. Uh, but anyway, so I won by a whopping nine strokes. Kevin was second. Uh, Josh was just a stroke behind him. I beat you, motherfucker. I fucking fucked yeah. It's about time. Josh is usually the best golfer of us, but he had a bit of a rough day. <laughs> a rough one. We'll call it rust. It was it was everybody's first round of the year except for except for me. I, it was my second. That's why I still say you should take a plus one, not plus two. Eh, no, not happening. So Peter got plus two. Kevin got plus one. Josh was at zero, and Jesse brought up the rear at minus one. As usual, right, Jess? Hey man, I got my par. I'm happy. And I was actually neck and neck with Peter at the beginning. 
That's true. Jesse was my fucking main competition and in the front. A par, a par five that I they had a trench in the middle of the fucking well, not the middle of the fairway, but the side, and I decided not to take a drop I and it messed, it. Up, messed that my game from there. <laughs> yeah, Jesse took a I think a ten on that hole, and I had a, a bogey, I believe, with three putts too. That fucking sucked. Anyway, but that uh, that solidified my lead, and I didn't give it up to after that. No, it was a fun round, boys. I enjoyed every run, every fucking minute of it. Yeah, likewise. It was a beautiful day. I got sunburned to fuck because I'm a pasty white boy. As did I. My wife's sitting there laughing at my uh, my, my crescendo on my uh, ankles. Yeah, but anyway, great day of golf. Can't wait to get out again. I'm just glad it's finally legal so again in the province. When we go out again, if it's the four of us, this is still going to apply, right? Regardless of what you say, Jesse, because you're going to be fucking last. Well, then I'm not showing up. Well, exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know if it's really fair to Jesse. To like like you say, maybe I we need to start it. throwing a handicap <laughs> into this. This is a sports show about the, the knowledge. And as we can see by your knowledge, you're not doing so well. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> 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 oh, shit. Oh, shot's fired. Yeah, shot's fired. Thanks, Jess. I love you, bud. I love yeah, you all, the by love. the way. I mean, I'm telling you, man. I kind of I kind of get where Jesse's coming from, though. Maybe we need to put some handicaps on this thing if we're going to keep playing for points. Fuck you, Maybe Yoshi. Jesse gets a gets an instant five-stroke lead. Or oh, something. I need more than that. That's what you're going to need, Jesse. We'll figure that out. It's a... So that brings us to today's actual scores. So if I got them all right, we had three challenges today. We had Franco playing shortstop for the outfield, which Jesse was plus one and Josh was minus one. We had Kadri guilty until proven innocent, which Peter was plus one. Josh was minus one. And Nylander's delay of game scoring on the power play that did not happen. Fucking right, dude. That Cab still thinks it did, even though all fucking evidence points to the contrary. Peter's plus one there and Kev is minus one. So I'm still at a zero. So I'm still fucking minus seven. Fuck y'all. That brings our total. Peter went up plus four today with the golf game and, the, and this episode. <laughs> like you need it, Pedro. Like you need it. Up to plus eight. Uh, Kev stayed neutral, so he's at minus seven. Uh, Jesse stayed neutral, so he's at plus two. And Josh dropped two, so he's down to minus four. A commanding lead. Almost as big a lead as I had on the golf course happening yeah. on these points yeah. penalty scores here. <laughs> I like that lead on the golf course. It's going to fucking diminish. It's good. We're good. That'll be the only We're going to get you, bud. We're going to fucking find a way if I got to sit there and start doing shit to get you. Uh, bring it on. I don't care if you boys are fucking Googling everything I say. I'll keep on fucking <laughs> Well, let's just put it this way. If we keep adding the golf scores in there, you might be in trouble considering I beat all of you guys on the back nine. Hey, I just had a really, really shitty front nine. Still didn't win. You're right. I didn't. I didn't. But it'll be the only time I lose this year. It's, it's yeah. the only time I'm going to say I fucking finally beat Yoshi on some <laughs> golf. Oh, yeah, buddy. Woo! Hey, I'm glad I could put a fucking smile on your face, guys. Thanks, bud. You always do. Oh, I think uh, three, you always do. I love you all, man. I love you too, Kev, even though you're wrong on challenges often. Fuck you, man. I'm telling you, <laughs> Nylander scored on that goddamn power play. He did, he man. A power play. It was a power play, just not that one. Oh, my <laughs> but, Josh, you're probably right. Once you uh, 
shake off some of that rust, I think you're uh, probably going to come out on top of most nope. of these golf games. Nope. We'll see. I'm all right. You know what? I'm okay with adding fucking handicaps to it. I would still like to play for, uh, for points, even if we do add some handicaps somehow, just cause it was fun. And it, it gave that little bit of extra competition. Uh, I know we're out there to just have fun and whatnot and have a good time, but, uh, you know, I've maybe got a little, well, I always get pissed off when I shit the bed. So it doesn't matter what sport or what it is. I get ticked off. So I would like a, another chance to, uh, to make two points up. Oh. Yeah. Jesse, whenever you want to go to the golfing range, bud, you and me, We'll work on our game together just so I can kick your ass even more. I, if anybody, I got a pair. According to you, Kev, I got to work with Jesse if that's the case. No, no, yeah. I think Jesse and I, because Jesse and I are usually on the bottom, but I, I still kind of dominate Jesse regardless to golf, you know. But just so golf. If you want, if you want Jesse just, and I can go to golf. a golf just range golf. and we'll work on it and I'll still show you how to fucking hit a driver. How's that? Dude, that was the only club that was working for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you were hitting some nice drives Jess, for sure yeah maybe we take the scores and make that our handicap so i'll start next round uh plus two jesse will start minus one kevin will be plus one josh zero yeah yeah why not and then we go from there and then maybe that'll be our handicap we'll figure something out yeah anyway let's move into how was your drink so josh how was your drink well, gents, I didn't have the skull in my can, but I did have a freak show, uh, freak show crush by Flying Monkey Craft Brewing. It uh, was very good, a hazy IPA. As I said at the beginning, uh, it kind of took me back a little bit when I first took my first sip. I guess I wasn't expecting it to be as hoppy. I don't know why. I've drank all kinds of fucking hazy IPAs uh, since we started this, but uh, I enjoyed it. I would definitely get it again. Again, like I said, it shocked me to begin with but turned out to be pretty fucking tasty. So I enjoyed it. The 6.3 strong beer, I guess that was number two today. Number two on uh, alcohol content. Yeah, bitch. Which, uh, it isn't half bad. <laughs> but yeah, it was excellent. I would, uh, like I said, I would get it again. So Kev, how was yours? My uh, Collective Arts audio visual was pretty decent. It actually gives you one of those, like, uh, what the, what's that code thing? QR scan? Yeah. yeah. It gives you that there. So you can actually uh, download some of these actual songs that go along with this. But again, the actual artist is um, surreal, so it's pretty decent. I kind of like the skull. Kev, by songs, you mean because it's audio-visual beer, right? Yes. So you get the audio when you download or when you scan that? Okay. Yeah. Jesse just kind of looked confused when you were saying, what, uh, what the like, hell are you talking about? Yeah, no, was, you an audio-visual. No so the actual <laughs> visual is the um, artist. And the artist on this, on this can of collective arts is surreal, which gives you the skull. Boom. Now I'm it gives trying you to that listen little to... code on there that gives you some songs. If it has skulls on it, man, it's got to be my kind of music. You know what I'm saying? That I want to go out and kill someone, as you guys say. Kill your mother. <laughs> I won't scan it because it's going through a couple screens right now. I think that's pretty decent. So you can actually download some songs you can put on some Spotify. I mean, I, I'm into my death music, if you all don't know. I like, you know, the kill your mother, I kill your father, oh, kind of music. <sighs> yeah. Jeez, that's angry. It is very angry. I don't want to kill anybody, though, as you guys say, that when I listen to my music. But, Peter, how was your drink? I was just trying to listen to my beer, see if it would had an audio <laughs> component to it. But it's, uh, it's being pretty quiet. But, yeah, the Bone Shaker IPA, was, it's good stuff. Amsterdam Brewing uh, right here in Toronto. It's a good beer. I definitely recommend it. 7.1%. And uh, when we're done here, I think I'm going to go uh, 
enjoy some more out in the sunshine. Jesse, how was your beer? My Mill Street Organic IPA is also a hazy IPA. Just like Josh, I missed that earlier. I was too busy drinking it. Super tasty, just 6%, but still a strong beer at that point. I really enjoyed Mill Street. Anything Mill Street is usually pretty good for me. And the hazy IPA is always good. Awesome. Well, I'm glad everybody enjoyed their drink as per usual. We're all uh, pretty raring to go on grabbing another one. And if we don't have another one, we'll grab a beer anyway, no matter what kind it is. So, uh, Pete, I'm, I'm on with board with you there. I'm going to go outside and sit in the nice sunny backyard and relax for the rest of the day. Anyway, so I want to thank everybody, uh, the three of you. I want to thank all of our listeners for listening to us on episode 18. So please subscribe wherever you get your pods. Give us a like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at points penalties. And until next week, stay stay out out of the penalty penalty box. box.